does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Well, well, well. Every once in a while, a little karma catches up to people around here, Mark. For years, not years, I've only worked here a year and a couple months, but for months, I've come in, made a comment that despite getting in here at 4.30 and getting the show prepped and lied out and... 4.30? (laughs) And then we'll start and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't see an extra pair of headsets around. And... Mark, am I correct in saying that Kevin's made a point to point that out a few times, right? Kevin had a little too much fun at Mackey last night, I think. I guess so. So we come in this morning and look who... Usually I rely on Mark to provide the truth upon this. For the last five minutes, I have have been trying out headsets in the studio to see if any work. None of them do work, whereas you, you wait till 7.01 to try out the headsets. They work fine. See I hear you just fine. If they work. The early bird gets the working headset. Uh, Kevin Bowen is back from Mackey. Got back uh, just a little bit ago. Long night at Harry's or? Yeah. Pretty good atmosphere up there, right? Yeah, the weekend starts on Thursdays on those college campuses. So always a great time. I love being in that venue. I think it's such a uh, it's such a clean look. You know, when good you get in there, it, yeah. it's a clean look, awesome atmosphere. And boy, those freshmen right away, Jake, for how poorly they played in Bloomington. Uh, that was the first 10 yet last night. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. Braden Smith goes for a career-high 24. And really, outside of some, oh boy, is this last year's team trying to break a press? Late in the game, Purdue was in full, full control. And I know Zach Eady played a lot last night, Jake, and it wasn't necessarily the dilemma that I think would be good for Purdue to encounter at some point, him in foul trouble. I looked up with like eight minutes to go in the game. Zach Eady had four points and Purdue was up double figures. Those are some of the areas where you're like, okay, can they take another step? And again, those freshmen in particular, Braden Smith, uh, pretty darn good last night. Yeah, Braden Smith last night with 24. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer with 17, including a three late where he, you almost saw like the weight of the world coming off his shoulders when he hit that. Boilers win 87-73. How about the lady... Well, for India, I mean, in women's basketball, it's just Hoosiers. But how about the Indiana women's team last night? Speaking of Iowa, um, great atmosphere at Assembly Hall. And number two ranked Indiana, another win. They just keep piling them up. Uh, winning over Iowa. That game never really in doubt last night either. So a couple of good games. And then also the NFL Awards show. We'll get to this. Um, I, I was not surprised necessarily that Reggie Wayne and Dwight Freeney did not get in. I was surprised who did, Kevin. Were you? So I, I I felt like three of the names we talked about yesterday, and that would be Joe Thomas, that would be Darrell Revis, and Demarcus Ware. Uh, the last two I was a little bit surprised by, and honestly, I think it's kind of a double whammy for Reggie Wayne. He doesn't get in, Jake, and no wide receiver gets in. And if you look at wide receiver pecking order, I I, I mean, Mike Chappell can confirm this more than I could, but I would think that based off what I've heard, Torrey Holt and Andre Johnson might be above Reggie Wayne on that list. 
the the last two names were Rondé Barber and Zach Thomas. It almost seems like Zach Thomas was like, yeah, we probably should put him in at some point. I, I would agree. I, I've always thought, and listen, Zach Thomas was a very good player. He was a great player. But I never at any point thought that Zach Thomas, I don't know, man. The Hall of Fame is just a different level. And to me, Zach Thomas was a really good player. I never thought he was for like a decade. elite player. Yeah, been now, on the ballot for 10 years. Explain this to me because I'm a little, I got a little confused by it. So there is a cult going in. Joe Klecko played here one year in 88. Are there two different committees? Yeah, I think there's a senior committee and, gosh, is there one more? Clearly, Klecko would have been on that, right? The group that we talk about is the modern era. Those are the five finalists or five members of the class that go in uh, on an annual basis. And again, that was Joe Thomas, Jarrell Rivas, DeMarcus Ware, Rondé Barber, Zach Thomas. Um, But I think there is like another committee of senior um, that go in. If you look at next year, Jake, Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates, those I mean, certainly Gates. I would assume Peppers, too. I mean, those would qualify as first balloters. And again, it's just, I I, I could see Torrey Holt and, and or Andre Johnson going in before Reggie Wayne. I, I think that's the problem is you look at those that didn't get in and you're like, man, it just kind of shuffles the line further back, right? It certainly does. A good Friday morning to you. We have a pretty packed show from a guest standpoint. A Friday of Super Bowl week, we have a Super Bowl Kind of a Super Bowl prop bet guy that it's going to be joining us around 8 o'clock. So we'll get you set for any sort of wagers you want on the game and maybe some other wagers for Sunday. 8.30, Adam Vinatieri going to join us. So I think it's a pretty good guest to have 48 hours before Super Bowl Sunday. And then at 9 o'clock, Jake, well, we'll have Greg Gregshaw, by the way, at 7.30. And it sounds like Decent amount of high school news we need to get to. Yeah, with, how about that? With Greg Rakestraw, not only stuff. Ben Davis head coach, but Carmel Center Grove and a bit of a feud, it sounds like. Um, so we'll chat with Rake here in less than a half hour. And then at 9 o'clock, we need Tony East to explain some things to us on exactly how the Pacers were able to do what they did yesterday. Um, can you briefly summarize, Jake, what they, what they were able to get, give up? Absorb all of it. Who's going to play? Who's being bought out? Okay, so here's the easiest way to say it. Uh, There were no seismic moves for the Pacers. However, they did. They went out and basically said, you know what? We need some sort of a younger, maybe better wing defending forward than what we have. And they looked around the league, and they see, and I, I'm apologizing that I, linguistically, sometimes names challenge me. I'm assuming it's it's Jordan Wara, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm assuming Nora, it's a silent N. Wara, yeah. But a second round pick in 2020 for Milwaukee, who is basically, I would see them as a slightly better outside shooting Jalen Smith. A little bit more athletic, perhaps. But he had some good moments for Milwaukee, but just kind of was buried. And so the Pacers said, you know what, we'd, we'd like to get him. Okay? So they go out and they 
they jump in on a trade that Milwaukee is doing that allowed Jay Crowder to come from Phoenix. And in doing it, they acquire George Hill and Serge Ibaka along with that. So then the question becomes, well, who did they give up? What they gave up were the draft rights to Juan Pablo Valle to Brooklyn. And then they had to waive three players. James Johnson, who doesn't get a lot of playing time, but he's kind of like the grandpa of the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a Daryl Armstrong. Correct. Like, I think all the players like him. That That is the one thing to me that gave pause is I think James Johnson was a really important locker room glue guy, and we'll see how the team reacts to him being waived. There have been times in the past where the Pacers have made moves with veteran players that then later you looked at and you went, yeah, that was not popular within the locker room. But James Johnson was waived, Terry Taylor was waived, and Goga Bataze probably officially now securing that that was one of the biggest whiffs in recent draft history, along with probably T.J. Leaf. Again, I understand why they took Goga Bataze. He was a guy that, you know, it was a, when you're drafting 18th, I think it was, Okay, let's see if this guy pans out. It did not. And so he is out of the league now. And I, you know, I'm not sure where he goes. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, George Hill, Serge Ibaka, there's kind of some there was one report they were going to waive him right away, but then they sent something out saying like, "Welcome to the franchise." Yeah, so we'll see whether or not he plays. But those are the three players coming in. Yeah, I'd be pretty stunned if Serge Ibaka ever played. Um, I cannot see that happening. And honestly, Jake, I we don't really need to see George Hill play, do we? What's that? We don't need to see George Hill play, do we? I mean, he'll be 37 later this year. I think George Hill will probably give that. I mean, understood. Everything against what this year was supposed to be about. No, I get it. Um, I think George Hill was brought in to replace the James Johnson role. Sounds like James Johnson could be back. Um, I think that would be popular. I think the thought is... Serge Ibaka will be waived, bought out. Um, that will open up a roster spot. James Johnson could be back on that end. Uh, I guess just to start with Jordan Wara, because you know I did watch him a lot in college, Jake. He was a really good player at Louisville. Um, and when you watch the Bucks, I've always felt this way about Milwaukee, and I think the trade for Jay Crowder is great on their end. They've done such a nice job of putting pieces around Giannis and company. And Wara comes off the bench. He is a tall shooter. I mean, he is a shooter. Don't mince anything with that. Um, It's wild to see that he actually averages a better percentage on threes than he does twos. That's always a very interesting thing to look at. I'm not sure defensively if he's going to give you much there, and I know that's been an issue for this team, but he certainly will help you stretch the floor better with that second unit. And when you think about the second unit... I mean, T.J. McConnell's not some threat from behind the arc. Benedict Matherin is much more of a driver. I do think it makes sense to add a young shooter on a rookie deal. Again, defensively is still going to be an issue for you, and that will have to be addressed with a bigger acquisition at some point. Uh, But I think that's where War is going to help you out. Get under contract for one more year with him. You know, the... The Goga thing, Jake, 
they never should have drafted him in the first place. I think when you draft foreigners in particular, you have got to make sure that you're committed to giving them a serious, serious opportunity of playing time. And when you think about when Gogo was drafted, you were still in the midst of Sabonis, Turner, Sabonis, Turner. I mean, that was like, this is going to be the duo. These are the guys. And it was very difficult for Goga to get minutes. Um, I was actually looking at this last night. I guess just afternoon. Goga had, I think, lacking consistent playing time. It was something, again, the Pacers never really accomplished with Goga. If you look at Goga's four seasons here, the Pacers played him over 20 minutes a night, Jake, in three straight games, only three times in his four years. And I look at that as just, okay, we're committing to him for a period of time. Let's get him multiple nights in a row. Let's see how he reacts to playing in an NBA game. Those things. If you look at Goga's numbers, when he got that action... He's averaging like 14 and 8, 13 and 7. Right. Did he look lost on the defensive end of the floor? Without a doubt. I mean, there are times where I'm like, is he just rogue out there? Like, is he following any sort of defensive script? Offensively, I think he showed you a little bit of something. But I go back to the original thought. If you're going to draft guys from overseas, you have got to live with on-court growing pains to ever see what you have in him and in Goga's case he never got that his first two seasons he got that a little bit late last year and then this year of course you have a log jam of front court guys Um, again Goga showed you I think reasons why you didn't need him anymore and it wasn't going to necessarily work here but at the same time and I think this is the case for a lot of draft picks particularly guys from overseas if you're going to make that pick and you go 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 as a top 20 pick You've got to make sure that you put him in a chance to somewhat show you what he has. And I just never felt like they committed to him for long, long stretches. I think that's fair. I, the The narrative, I think, on Goga became two things from the Pacers' standpoint. Number one, to your point, he was a guy that needed minimum 18 minutes per game to get into rhythm. He was not a... You know, some guys come in off the bench, Kevin, and they're ready to go right now, right? Boom. Let's go. Other guys kind of have to warm into the flow of the game and like kind of let the game come to them. And that was him, and they just never had that... They never had that sort of flexibility with him. Um, and so that hurt him for sure. It would be difficult for any player coming into the NBA to have basically a coaching change every year you're in the league. That that probably doesn't help either. And then I have no idea if this is correct or not, but I've heard just that his work ethic wasn't... I'm not saying it was terrible, but maybe there was some disappointment there. I, I will say he didn't seem to physically really change in the time he was here. Um he was a great story when he was drafted, a kid out of the country of Georgia that, you know, at one point was he and his family really struggled. And you certainly hope that he catches on somewhere. Wish him the best. But yeah, the the ship had probably sailed here for sure. Yeah, I um And by the way, the the, the guy that I was talking about that 
and again, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, uh, Juan Pablo Voile. He is an Argentine that an Argentinian player that when the Pacers traded Edmund Sumner, they took on his draft rights. So they held his draft rights, and they now relinquish his draft rights if, as part of this trade. So, you know, he's probably a guy that's never going to play in the league. He was a 2015 second-round pick, and now his rights go to... Stanko sure Barak? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you still having headset issues? There, there, there's a headset graveyard next to me here. I think uh, Mark and I have... Decided it's the port, right, Mark? I think that's right. That's what you it know, looks like. No another, longer the headset, the port. There's another that port be to your right. Problematic. I tried the forward. port to my right as well, and so far we're striking out. It sounds like a good break task for us here in the first break of the show. Well, everything's fine over here. We could do this like in 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 college. Is that a full moon out? Because why is Jake not having issues? Well, you know, hey. I'm, Listen, I was a Cub Scout. Be prepared, buddy. So, uh, you know what I mean? It wasn't random when Noah built the ark, Mark. Adrian you know, Wojnarowski said that the Pacers had interest in Obi Toppin. We did not see him get moved. I think there's a report out there the Pacers made an offer for OG Ananobi. Uh, he did not get moved. John Collins. There were a lot of players that were rumored to be on the moved. block that never got traded. So it was kind of a quiet Thursday, I think, from a big name standpoint. I mean, you certainly had... Yeah, Wednesday was pretty active, but yes. Plenty of pieces move. Um, from an Indiana connection standpoint, Eric Gordon back to the Clippers. So he gets a chance to get out of the tank that Did is Did you Houston see the Rockets. John Wall quote? And John Wall, in one of the wilder stories, back to Houston where he will be bought out. And John Wall... John Wall did a podcast recently where he was asked about his first stint in Houston. And he said, man, that franchise is trash. I'll just say that. It's trash. And then, like, two hours later, he got traded to Houston. So, yeah, boy. Not going to be a welcome to the Rockets. Yeah, maybe the, tribute video. no video. Will the Goga tribute video just be him fighting the coach on loop? Boy, that is that is an awesome call there. A couple of threes maybe here and there, and that's about it, right? Uh, some nice performances with the Mad Ants. <laughs> By the way, I was going to mention, when I was in college, back when you used to actually have to get cable like cable television was literally a cable you know the 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 apartment that i lived in you know you walk in the foyer there's a b c and d there's four apartments Uh, we had like splitters like the cable went like four ways everybody you know three guys per apartment so each person paid for like one month of cable not saying that that was scrupulous i'm not saying that people should do that i don't even know if that's possible anymore but the old cable splitter trick was very popular back in the mid 90s I feel like we need to do that with headsets now, with this port. If we can get a little splitter port, you can tap in. Kev, we're good to go, right? I think I, I'm a little nervous here, but we've got Greg Rakestraw in 10 minutes. How am I going to hear the legend that is Rake? Have you heard him talk? <laughs> Are you saying I can hear his booming voice? Yeah, just step outside and have him stand on his porch when he's doing the phone call. Uh, right. Again, Purdue beats Iowa last night, really in full control throughout. A little sloppiness. I always watch Purdue with the press. I'm like, that team is way too smart to struggle with the press like they did. So that'll be something that certainly they're going to have to see again. But again, uh, both the freshmen, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, outstanding last night. And that game was never really in doubt. Uh, I should probably explain this, by the way, um, because someone asked. So good question. Jake, what does it mean when you say draft rights? When you draft a player in the NBA draft, those rights, in other words, you have, they are essentially your property. 
for an allotment of time. And I'm going to guess that that is a... I'm not sure what the allotment is. It probably recycles. Um, But at any rate, there are oftentimes they're called draft and stash players. Players that a team will draft knowing that they're going to stay in Europe or somewhere like that for a couple of years. And then eventually when they decide that they are going to come to the NBA... You own their rights because you drafted them. So if they're going to play in the NBA, you have the right to determine you know, you're playing for us because we drafted you. Uh, Antonio Davis is a prime example of that. The Pacers drafted him in the second round in like 1990, 89 or 90, sent him over to Europe, and then eventually they still owned his rights. So when he was ready to come to the NBA, they were the team that he had to play for. So with this particular player that was drafted in 2015 – Eventually, the rights expire, and I'm not sure when that is, but so long as teams are claiming the rights to it, then that means that that team has the ownership of that player should they come to the NBA. So this guy was drafted by, I believe it was the Nets originally. No, it was the Hornets. It was the Hornets originally. At some point, they traded his property tag, for lack of a better phrase, to the Nets the Pacers then got that as a part of the Edmund Sumner trade. So the Pacers then had the valet ticket saying, if he ever comes, we have the ticket right here. So the coat becomes ours. They now have sent that in this trade. Yeah, I think you and I have spent more time on an NBA floor than Mr. Valet will ever spend. That's probably right. And, an and you were there floor. for 20 seconds when we played knockout. Well, a little longer for the old human bowling. That is true. Um. I, again, I, I do not need to see Serge Ibaka or George Hill on the floor for the Pacers, and it sounds like Ibaka certainly will not play. Um, the one issue that I had yesterday with how everything unfolded, Jake, is you traded away, or the three players you gave up, Goga, Terry Taylor, and James Johnson, and again, it sounds like James Johnson might return. It's not like any of those three were in the rotation. So the same questions we had about playing time yesterday are still there. Are you going to keep on playing Daniel Tice? So that means Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith don't play? That is a big question that I have here over the next Basically what happened was couple of months. the Bucks were like, you know what, Jay Crowder is a piece that we need, but we don't have room from a payroll standpoint, so is there anybody out there that can right. take a couple of our guys? And the Pacers said, you know what, we could take a couple of those guys, take on the salary that helps us in our cap space, and if we can get a little something out of a couple of them, great, especially with the youngest of the three. Hey, let's see if there's something here. Yeah, let's see if this I'm is totally Jalen Smith. fine with what Indiana did yesterday. They got three second-round picks, uh, one each of the next three seasons, so they continue to kind of add to their surplus there. Uh, and we'll have Tony East on around 9 o'clock to explain more on that front. Again, uh, Indiana, the women last night get a win at home over Iowa. The biggest crowd in IU women's history, uh, just north of 13,000 down there as they beat number five Iowa and uh, the men back in action tomorrow night that is up in Ann Arbor I think it's a six o'clock tip and you know Purdue's got one of the hotter teams in the Big Ten or at least certainly one of the surprise teams in Northwestern coming up on Sunday afternoon I believe that's a two o'clock tip with the Super Bowl starting at 630 Pacers back in action tonight it's the Phoenix Suns 
over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The Suns last night, again, no Kevin Durant through the All-Star break. They lost in Atlanta, so a late arrival to downtown Indianapolis for Phoenix. I don't believe Devin Booker played. Uh, Booker... He's got to play here for the hat night. Out with illness. I saw some of the Purdue Pacer hats last night. That's cool. Inside of Mackey. That was the game plan. I don't, I think the, honestly, maybe the most beloved person in Mackey last night was Mrs. Edie. You mean like they showed her and people went crazy? Oh, and then you see her on the concourse and people are asking for pictures with her. Really? She's a legend. That's cool. That seems like a nice lady. Again, Zach Eady last night, relatively quiet for him. He did have a double-double by the end of the night, but Purdue still in full control thanks to Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. A whole lot to get to today on Kevin and Quarry. A little bit chillier on this Friday morning than it was yesterday morning. Thanks for tuning in. 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It was a career night inside of Mackey for Braden Smith, the freshman from Westfield, 8 of 10 from the floor, a career-high 24. You had the vibe early on. It's kind of fun when you're in those home environments of a player's created a reputation and the fans react to it. It's like when Braden Smith's open, everybody's kind of like, shoot! Shoot, like he hasn't done enough of that. He's a really good driver. Last night, Iowa went under a few screens. Braid Smith certainly made them pay. Uh, Purdue in full control of that one, and they get the victory. Here was Matt Painter afterwards on the aggressively minded Braden Smith. I wish he would shoot more. You know, since day one, I've told him that. Like, shoot the basketball. They want to go under ball screens, stop and shoot it. You know, he's a 40 to 45% three-point shooter. It makes sense to do it. Um, anytime you have the ability to play through ball screens and get angles and pass and get to the rim and shoot, you know, take your pull-ups too. Like, take your open shots. Take your, like, be aggressive with it. And he likes getting everybody involved. Just, you know, he has really good instincts, but at times he doesn't play off his instincts, and he's, he's just thinking getting everybody involved when he's not going to get anybody involved if they're just going to play and go under him. Uh, elsewhere last night in college basketball on the women's side, it was Indiana 87-78 over Iowa. Hoosiers in front of 13,000 at Assembly Hall getting the win over Iowa. Top 10 team, Indiana ranked second in the land. Grace Berger, 26 points, 9 rebounds. McKenzie home, 24 and 6. For 11 in a row for Terry Morin's bunch. Tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it'll be the Phoenix Suns in town. This is not going to be the Kevin Durant Phoenix Suns. We'll see if it's even Devin Booker. Uh, they lost last night in Atlanta, Phoenix. Booker didn't play. They had several guys out due to illness, so we'll see how... Uh, that goes on a back-to-back. We'll see if we get DeAndre Ayton against Miles Turner. That was a matchup I think a lot of people were hoping to see when these teams met out in Phoenix a few weeks ago, but we did not see it in that matchup. I think Phoenix, it's like a pick last I saw. Um, four games left until the All-Star break for Indiana. It's Phoenix tonight at Washington tomorrow, and then home games with Utah and Chicago next week. And the newest members to the Pacers roster, Seeing still yet to be determined uh, who necessarily sticks long-term with that. My long-term, I mean for the rest of the year. But George Hill, Serge Ibaka, Joseph Wara acquired from Milwaukee on their way out. Waved yesterday. Goga Bataze, Terry Taylor, James Johnson. Also, uh, the draft rights, as we talked about earlier, from Juan Pablo Valle from 2015 drafted. Those draft rights go back to Brooklyn now.
A part of today's show certainly will have some Super Bowl focus to it. We'll get into some Super Bowl prop bets. I saw last night Jake Patrick Mahomes taking home the MVP. Uh, kind of a wild stat. You have had nine straight MVPs lose in the Super Bowl. Nine times. Really? Began That streak began with Kurt Warner in 2001. I'm a little surprised we, I guess, you know, nine... Super Bowl or uh, nine MVPs have played in the Super Bowl over the last what 22 years. I thought that number maybe would be a hair higher, but uh, we'll see if Patrick Mahomes can snap that. Mark, is it still Philadelphia like minus one and a half? Last I checked, yeah, it's basically a pick 'em, right? I mean, it's it's basically a pick 'em, whichever way. If if we divvied up on this program, Kevin, and I said, okay, I'll take Philly, and you know, like Mike Chappell does for the Hall of Fame, I will sit here and spell you the case why Philly's going to win. You do the same for Kansas City. We're not actually going to do that. But if we did, I, I think we both could make very compelling arguments, right? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, so we'll give out our picks a little bit later. Again, do some prop bets with, uh, what's the guy's name, Mark, coming up at 8? Doug Mason. Doug Mason from Bet Online. Um, he's going to join us to talk some sports props. Again, Adam Vinatieri at 8.30, Tony East. At 9 o'clock, and when we come back, Greg Regstraw, several rather, I don't know, stunning is the right word, but certainly eye-catching headlines in the high school ranks. A big-time football program job has opened up here locally, and sounds like some drama between Carmel and Center Grove. We'll talk with Greg Regstraw about that next here. Kevin and Corey. Greg Regstraw. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Joins us right now, and I guess speaking of purple, let's begin in kind of chronological order. Two very big, seemingly high school storylines to get to with Greg Rakesh. I only got a few minutes with Rake today on this Friday morning, but let's start with the news. Rake over at Ben Davis with Jason Simmons stepping down, the head football coach there. I think I saw a report yesterday that he's off to Miami, Ohio, to be an assistant coach for uh, Chuck Martin over there. Uh, I believe that is what is going to happen. Um, I know he has a, a college move that gets announced next week, and that is one of the places that had been speculated. And I think there's some ties there. Obviously, he is an alum, and I know there have been conversations about this in the past. So expect some something official on that next week. But that is probably his likely landing spot. Yes. So, pardon my naivete here, Greg. Have they already internally elevated that position or filled that position, or is Ben Davis looking? Ben Davis is looking. There are some some candidates on that current staff, but I would imagine that uh, that they will be uh, looking because that will be a job that will be highly in demand 
They have some significant talent that is returning. Uh, they've got a player like Mark Zachary, who we've talked about on the basketball team, who's a sophomore, already has offers from Purdue and Duke. They've got a linebacker in Nylon Brown that has multiple Division One offers. Um, they had a sophomore running back that, that was one of the best running backs in the area last year, and they've got a likely Mac-level quarterback coming back as a senior in Thomas Gotkowski. So they are going to be one of the better teams in the state next year. So it will not be hard to find someone to uh, to be the next head coach at Ben Davis High School. Hey, Thomas, if he's a Mac player, could go to Miami, right? Natural in transition. Theory, yes, he could absolutely, but uh, he's got he's got to wait a year to get that uh, you know diploma from Ben Davis High School. Greg, Greg Regstar, by the way, from ISC Sports Network, is our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Uh, the big story yesterday, and one that I think has yet to really clear itself out, but that is the the letter that essentially was sent from Carmel to Center Grove saying that that contractually, that relationship from a sports standpoint, Carmel was wanting um, to free itself from that. We already know about the fact that these are the two schools that left the Mick. What goes into this? What's the backstory here on Carmel and Center Grove? So there there was an incident at the end of their boys basketball game, the first Friday in February, uh, in terms of some crowd control and, and things like that after a after a Center Grove win. Um, I did some digging, and it's and it's more than that. Uh, it's it's not just that. It's kind of an accumulation of things. It's about all that I have gotten at this point. Uh, but the obviously the largest ramification uh, is is for football. You know, those two teams had played for the Copper Kettle uh, had become a rivalry game and become a week three staple last year to accommodate both teams playing Trinity out of Louisville. It was a week two game. It was going to be a week two game this year as well. And simply put, it was a game that drew seven, eight, nine thousand people every time they got together. And it was a game that oftentimes was a potential state championship preview. And now that game is already off the table. Uh, Carmel has already filled it. They've not announced uh, whom they're going to be playing in week number two. So the schedule has already been covered from the Carmel perspective for Center Grove. It adds to the problem that they have. Carmel has maintained relationships with the with the teams that they were formerly conference rivals with in the MIC for the most part. But Center Grove has several open dates on their calendar. They had announced they're going to be playing over in Massillon, Ohio, at Paul Brown Stadium to open the season on August the 19th. But now they're looking for week two and looking for other multiple dates to fill their schedule as well. So, Rick, let's kind of recap the last 12 months or so with Carmel and Center Grove. They leave the MIC. Um... They try to get into the HCC conference, which think Donut County schools with that, the Avon, Brownsburg, HSC, Fishers, Westfield, etc. They don't get accepted to that, so now they're both independents. But as independents, they kind of had still agreed, we're going to play each other in every sport? More or less. Uh, and, and so, you know, football last year, basically teams were riding out the last year of two-year contracts. So even though Senator Grove and Carmel were not conference opponents. Those games were under contract. And, again, both schools have been working to try to maintain as many of those games as possible, but also finding you know alternative competition uh, as, as part of that as well. Uh, and Senator Grove and, and Carmel basically said, we're going to play each other in every sport. And now that is no longer the case. Um, again, in, in basketball, for example, um, Carmel's schedule largely looked like what it was a year ago with maybe a change or two. Uh, for Center Grove, that was not the case. They did not play any of the MIC teams in basketball this year 
with the exception of Warren Central, whom they played in the third-place game of the Phil Cox tournament, the holiday tournament that is up in Kokomo. Uh, but they completely changed their schedule, and to some degree, a lack of traditional success at Center Grove, as well as the fact they're not even in the Indianapolis or Southport regional. They are in sectional 13. They go south. So they're playing a lot more schools that, that typically they would see from a postseason path standpoint. The real sport that this impacts, it's easy to pick up an extra game in soccer or baseball or volleyball. Trying to find the schools that will play you in football, that is a different argument altogether. And again, because of the tradition and strength of that center Grove program, they may be going the cathedral route. In other words, they may be playing as many out-of-state schools as they are playing in-state schools because it's just becoming very difficult for them to find somebody in Indiana that wants to play them. Rick, I was talking with someone last night, and they basically said from the Carmel side of it, their message is continuing issues with Center Grove student-parent-administration behavior. Is that kind of what you're hearing as Carmel's message? And, and again, the thing that was driven home to me when I didn't have a long conversation on this subject but this, the message that was delivered to me was this was more than just what happened at the end of the boys' basketball game in January. Interesting. Uh, Greg, I know it's a busy Friday for you, so appreciate. You know, that was a big story that really kind of became in the forefront yesterday afternoon, so wanted clarification. Knew you were the guy for it. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week, all right? You got it, guys. Take care. And, and Kevin, just so you know, I'm actually just yelling at you uh, from like outside of the building. <laughs> I I'm told not you. actually on the phone. Gosh, right you now, are, so. Rick, you're, you're up and at it early on this Friday morning. What's what's on the agenda? So uh, I am hanging with several of jQuery's colleagues this morning. There's a there's a uh, a day uh, each year where guys like myself, uh, Lance Scheib, Dave First, are all hanging out with Mark James. So what, we're having this conversation from the parking lot of Monrovia High School. I am literally just pulling in because now we're going to be uh, judging Super Bowl presentations from all of the oh, I've done that. That's cool. multimedia classes. That is so, very cool. Tell yeah. Mark I said hey. That's awesome. Will do, boys. Thanks, Ray. as well. And Lance, three really good guys. Uh, the great Greg Rakestraw right there. That is some drama, Jake, uh, to say the least, between Carmel and Center Grove. Again, it sounds like this is more of Carmel withdrawing from this sort of relationship. But as Rake points out, and I know we hit on this a lot earlier in the year when Carmel and Center Grove withdrew from the Mick, I'm just disappointed that we're seeing such isolation from the biggest schools here in the metro area. I think there's a lot of benefit from Carmel and Center Grove being in the Mick, those experiences with playing other schools like that. I was disappointed when that news broke. And now, I, I don't think this is the greatest news in the world either. I, I remember saying, Kevin, when those two schools, for those that are unfamiliar, Carmel and Center Grove, both, obviously everyone knows this, Hamilton County, epicentered school to the north, Johnson County, uh, you know, Marquis School to the south. And in the Mick, you have schools like North Central and Warren Central and Ben Davis, you know, Marion County schools. And... Indianapolis is a unique place because ever since Unigov came about in the mid-70s, you know, in Indianapolis, I mean, essentially you have Marion County and then the Donut Counties itself. And 
that's not to say that it became obviously like a, a segregated city. I mean, that would be a, a horrifically irresponsible thing for me to say. However, I, I did feel like my concern when Carmel and Center Grove left the Mick was that it was an isolation against playing those schools within Marion County. And I don't think it was for this reason at all, but what it then denied the young people at Carmel and Center Grove is that the reality is the real world is made up of people different than you. And high school athletics, yeah, it's great to win championships and get medals and all of that. At its core, high school athletics, like any experience extracurricular-wise in form of high school, is about preparing yourself for the real world and becoming an adult that is adaptable within the real world. And I know that it's uncomfortable for some people to think about with their kids, but the reality is that in the real world, there are people that look different than you, speak different than you, pray different than you, act different than you, come from different backgrounds. And the earlier that young people are able to see that and become aware of that, the more acclimated they're going to be to integrate themselves within the real world. And I'm not saying that Carmel and Center Grove were denying their kids that opportunity intentionally by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think that's the case. But the byproduct of them not playing suddenly and continuing on-field or on-court rivalries with those schools means that, I mean, when I went to IU, Kevin, I'm sure the same thing happened to you. You know, I couldn't stand Ben Davis. Couldn't stand Ben Davis when I was a high school student because we played them all the time and they beat us. They were really good, right? And then you get through sports, you get to know the kids from that school and you realize like, you know what? These guys are from a totally different neighborhood, but really in reality, they're from the same place I am. They like to do the same things with their buddies. They have the same interests. They got the same worries and concerns with school. And that was a really good thing for me to learn at a young age that just because people I thought were different than me because they were from another side of the city, I was able to learn through experience that they actually were the same. That was the most valuable thing that I learned through high school and through sports. And leave and that lack of intermix in the mix I thought was was really disappointing. Really disappointing. But in this case, I don't know the background, but if, if what Greg is saying is correct and that Carmel was not pleased with things involving the parents or the behavior or the actions of people at Center Grove, and I think there are really fine people at Center Grove. I want to make very clear that I'm not condemning anybody or saying it's factual. But if that's what they believe, then I have to applaud them for standing for what they believe to be, from a morality standpoint, the right thing to do. I know there's some uh, videos out there. Uh, certainly, Facebook would be a great source for that from the Center Grove Carmel basketball game that Rake was referencing with us. Um, you can find those out there. Center Grove storming the floor. Looks like some Carmel interaction from their coaching staff. Might be putting it politely. Um, so, yeah, just disappointing to see um, on all fronts. All right, uh, Loaded Show continues. Again, Adam Vinatieri going to join us here in about a half hour. Uh, Vinny is participating in a, a kind of a cool little kicking competition with, or I guess he's coaching, I should say, Rob Gronkowski coming up Sunday during the Super Bowl. But a lot to cover with Adam, certainly on uh, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of him lately, but he does not look like a kicker. Uh, certainly not acting like that in the weight room. And just get his thoughts on what his opinion is on the Colts from afar and his relationship with Chase McLaughlin 
Uh, and then Tony East around 9 o'clock to talk Pacers and their trade deadline moves. Got to make some sense of it. We'll do that with Tony East. But coming up next, we're going to talk some Super Bowl props. Hell yeah. That, that time of year to get into these. Dave Mason, Bet Online sports book Is this the car brand guy? Dave Mason Buick? Manager. I feel like everyone knows a Dave Mason. Oh, yeah. He's going to join us next. The drums we'll say go west and save. Not only the Eagles and Chiefs and those bets, but also some other ones individually game-wise and the fun ones leading in to Sunday. 8 o'clock hour. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin and Corey. This is my favorite music video of all time, by the way. Really? Strong. By the way... Might be a theme to these music music choices. We're going like past Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, that would ding, be my ding. guess, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, are we doing up with people later? I mean, if I can find a good one, will we get any Rihanna from you, Mark? Is oh, that that'll, to, that'll probably close out the to show. end the show. Yeah, uh, I was looking through like halftime Super Bowl things. I mean, this 1997, which wasn't I don't feel like wasn't that long ago. The Blues Brothers with Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd were were the Super Bowl halftime. Did they show? have a was there like a Rita movie that was released? Wasn't it Blues Brothers 2000 or something? Probably. But I'm like, what in the world? I mean, to be fair, Mark, 1997 was 25 years ago. Quiet. I feel like it was like 10 years ago. There, were, I mean, there was clearly a turn. I wonder, like, what was the first year where they started doing like legit recording artists that were... I mean, Michael Jackson was 93. Okay. But then they kind of went back to, and Gloria Estefan was there a couple times, and New Kids on the Block. But then they would go back to like the Blues Brothers and and all that other stuff. And then I'm surprised they haven't gone back to Timberlake and Janet Jackson. Yeah, yeah. You can see where the the you went to the older acts after uh, after that incident, which yeah, there were a couple of years there where they went back to like, didn't the Rolling Stones do it once? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at that one. So Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. I forgot how many other people were on that show, but it's Jessica Simpson. P. Diddy, Nelly, and Kid Rock were also there. Does anybody remember anything they did? No. Well, now that's the new thing is like who else will join Rihanna on stage? Right. Like, like right last now, year, wasn't it 50 Cent? Like, oh, yeah, yeah that was last That year. was great last and, year. And this year, if you look at some of these odds, you have Drake, I believe, Jay Z potentially that'll be on stage. I think there's some chatter about that so uh, dave mason who is going to talk us through some of these prop bets and individual uh bets he's going to join us here in a few minutes I think don sisk pontiac was the drums say go west and save dave mason buick was old dave needs the money so this is fitting that that dave mason who is the brand manager for bet online sportsbook would be needs the money right he doesn't need the money though well right we'll have to ask him what he's rooting for here on sunday any props stand out to you guys i mean they always have like length of time of the anthem right i mean some of them you mentioned are just outrageous i guess any like individual player stuff any game related stuff i think mvp is always curious because doesn't it feel like Whichever team wins, the quarterback's going to be named MVP. Oh, without doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you'd probably be foolish to bet anything 
other than that, um, I like this from a math standpoint, and I think with how aggressive these coaches are, I think you would take the under on this. Total combined yardage of made field goals in the game. Oh, wow. Made field goals, an over-under of 117.5 yards. I think you take that, right? I think you take the under. No, I take the over on that. Aren't the coaches too aggressive? To be settling for field goals like that? Yeah, but I mean, all it takes is three field goals of, what was the number, 117? So you need three 40-plus yard field goals. Yeah. Total combined yardage of all touchdowns in the game? What's that? 85 and a half yards. I think you go over on that, right? Got a couple big play touchdowns in, in you? I mean... You don't mean you don't need much, right? Yeah, this one we talked a little bit about yesterday. The jersey number of a player who scores the first touchdown odd, the heavy favorite with that, minus two hundred. If you look at the skill players, a lot of odd jerseys, uh, odd number jerseys. Travis Kelsey, AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts if he's running it. You know, I, I like Philadelphia, but the Jalen Hurts shoulder thing is a little nervy for me. Like, they did not need him to do a whole lot throwing the football in their two wins so do they far. still, though, their offense is loaded. I mean, you got to think you got to put it through the air at some point, right? And Steve Spagnola, Chiefs defensive coordinator, has a history in this game of, you know, making the opponent play left-handed. I mean, he was the defensive coordinator in those New England matchups with the Giants. Um, and you got to think with two weeks to prepare, you would think Kansas City is going to commit a whole lot to stopping Philly's rushing attack. How effective can Hurts be as a thrower with that injury? Did you watch last night? You said you did not, Kevin, because you were at the Purdue game. You didn't see any of the NFL awards, right? I did not see one minute Mark, of it. Mark, no. did you? No. There were two things that were... Not losing too much sleep over that, by the way. There were two things to... Uh, see, usually if I would say that, you'd be like, I I think it's great. <laughs> You're you're the old guy. What, what you don't like the all the different? I, I am a little surprised that you watched it. I'm but. the one that is well. I wanted to see the Hall of Fame stuff. Okay, and I'm the what one. What time that was that? Says, I feel like that, that news thing came out to like yeah, I, I had like gotten home when. It but had let me tell you out. the two things that happened that were. What's the fella's name that's on NFL Network in the morning that we see up here all the time? Kyle. What's his last Kyle name? Brandt. Kyle Brandt. They had him do some award thing, and he came out and. He he did an, it. Actually, was really impressive how well he was able to. He was doing the. It was like most outrageous play of the year, mm-hmm. and they had him come out. He was in the the stands, and he went to the different or in the audience, and he went to the different players that were nominated by like screaming at them like over the top. It was like a WWE type thing, and. It, he did an outstanding job in knowing all the lines and saying everything. I mean, his energy was unbelievable. But literally, and I'm curious if anybody else that saw it, like maybe I'm just curious if anybody else saw it, but if anybody else saw it thought any of these two observations. Number one, while he was doing that, literally everyone in the auditorium looked like they wanted to be anywhere but there in that moment. It was like a hot face staring at the floor moment of like... What is happening here? I'm embarrassed for this guy. Despite him flawlessly executing what they clearly asked him to do, it just did not go. It was like, this is really bad. And then secondly, and I say this with... It's kind of par for the course with those shows, right, though? 
Isn't there kind of yeah, always the awkward yeah. host in the crowd moments? Yeah, that's fair. That's a good way of saying it. The the other thing that, and I say this with all absolute, not even with all due respect, because there is no level of the due respect that you could properly even uh, illustrate. But they had Jim Brown in the audience, who's 86 years old and, you know, the the greatest running back of all time, probably. And they renamed the NFL Rusher of the Year as the Jim Brown Award. And I, I want to be very delicate here because I don't want this in any way, shape, or form to come off as a disrespectful comment to Jim Brown or to the elderly, which hopefully we all will be afforded the opportunity to join that group at some point. But, I, I mean, Kevin, Jim Brown looked like It'd been a long time since I've seen Jim Brown publicly, and I don't know what his health status is. I mean, he's 86 years old. He did not look well, and he did not look like he had any idea what was going on. And So it was kind of sad, right? Like, they were showing him. They, they referenced him several times and kept showing him in the crowd, and it was just kind of apparent that he was unaware that he was being recognized. I hate to say that, but it was, it was kind of sad. It, it made him look like he was kind of being... Like they were just not you, propping him up is probably the wrong word, but um, exploited. He looked a little bit exploited. And for those that missed it last night, the Hall of Fame announcement: No Reggie Wayne or Dwight Freeney. You had Joe Thomas, Darrell Revis as first balloters, Demarcus Ware, Rondé Barber, and Zach Thomas. Surprised on Zach Thomas. He's been on the ballot for about a decade now. Surprised that he rounded out that group. Not, not good for Reggie Wayne in that you didn't see a wide receiver go in. Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson also on that list. So it's going to be, it could be several more years for Reggie. I think this is year four for him on the ballot. Uh, next year, Antonio Gates, Julius Peppers will join. How about Travis Kelsey's over under? Seven and a half catches, 81 and a half yards. Say that those two numbers again. Seven and a half catches, eighty-one and a half yards. You got to go over, right? I mean, if Kansas City's going to win this game, Kelsey's got to be what ten for one ten, something like that. I mean, I was he's just he's going to get more targets than that. Whether he gets the catches, I don't know. My annual Super Bowl bet that I always do is total players to have a pass attempt over under two and a half. Over, you get good odds on plus one forty five. So ten bucks to win fourteen fifty. I'm doing it. One quarterback gets hurt. I'm winning the bet. No, wait a minute. One no. trick play. You said number of positions or players. Number of players. Okay. Okay. Number of players. Two and a half. <coughs> you know Zach Pascal, Philly special. Mahomes' ankle tweaks it for a few plays. Here comes Chad Henney. Okay, a, that, that that's a must bet for me. That one's fairly believable. By the way, I'm embarrassed to ask this because I know the answer. I'm going to smack myself in the forehead. You ready? But I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm having a moment and I can't remember. Who threw the Philly special that Nick Foles caught? Was it former Colt or future Colt? I should say Trey Burton. Is that right, Trey Burton? Yep. Now, Mark, how did you know that? Because he came to the Bears, and that was like all they talked about. Like, ah, hey, he's a Philly special guy. Trey Burton had a decent year here. 
a few years back. I recall that. Trey Burton to Nick Foles there. How about Jason Kelsey's wife? 38 weeks pregnant. She's got the OB out there. That's one of the prop bets. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen that, but you never know with the offshores. Is um, the is the gender one of the prop bets? Well, we know how you feel about gender reveals. Maybe that'll be a post game. It's the most played out thing ever. Maybe they get Rihanna to like drop like a ball at halftime. Yeah, plenty Blue. of, plenty of songs you could throw in there. Yeah. For that one, I do think a big storyline we saw in the AFC Championship game that Kansas City overcame. We'll see about Sunday. They had a lot of injuries to their wideout group late in that game. A really banged up group of wideouts. I think that will be something to keep an eye on. But certainly a lot of storylines for this one. Again, Philly a slight favorite. The first time you've had the number one seeds play each other in the Super Bowl since 2017. And we've mentioned it before, Jake. Arizona recently has led to some unbelievable Super Bowl moments. Malcolm Butler interception last time it was there. And David Tyree's catch. If you had to do a Super Bowl rotation, like the the Final Four, they do a rotation, basically. If you had to do a Super Bowl rotation of five cities, what five are you going with? Uh... I don't like the West Coast Super Bowls because I want the Super Bowl to start when it's nighttime at that venue. Okay. I kind of like... Okay, well, go ahead. Are you are you good with that or is that too... No, there is I one... I want the kickoff to be under a dark sky. Okay, I always am, have enjoyed, whether it be the Rose Bowl or the Super Bowl, there is, there is something about the sunset in the backdrop in Pasadena that's pretty magical to me. I just... I think that's fourth quarter of the Rose Bowl stuff. I don't think that's Super Bowl stuff for me. Okay. Now, I'm going to really get picky here, Jake, because I think it's got to be dark, and I think it's got to be outdoors. Ooh, outdoors. Okay, so Superdome's out for you. Uh, I, I, I can't do the dome. So Arizona's out? And you know what I would like to? I'd like for everybody to get a camera when they walk in so we can get the light bulbs right at kickoff. Okay, that's Can we fair. all do the flash on the that's iPhone? Fair. That's the other thing. So give me, I guess, give me the Florida sites, which I know is very overplayed. Um, God, hell, everybody else in that area is a dome, Superdome, Georgia Dome, well, whatever the new place is called, Mercedes-Benz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a horrible idea that I have now that I say it out loud. Are you going to New York or something? Or sure. New Jersey? Yeah, I, I, Col- I mean, let's get Soldier Field. Oh, jeez, no, don't In the rotation. Do Lambo? No, no. How about Lambo? Lambo, I love it. Lambo, when Arlington Heights is ready, bring it to Chicago. What did I say to you about being in Mackey last night? It's such a clean look. I just love how great seats, no matter where you're at, just walk in and just basketball just hits you right in the face. How about the the way down the street, Kevin? How about Lucas Oil gets another? You know, Dome. I I, trust me. I'd love to see Indy get it, but Indy Indy was a home run, man. Walk off. Stop while you're ahead. If I'm going to be selfish about the environment. You know what my favorite prop bet of the Super Bowl was? Whether or not the prop bet guy was going to call in on time. That was my <laughs> He's favorite He's in Arizona, bet. but yeah, I, I specifically said it's like it's 8 p.m. 8 a.m. Eastern. You told him p.m.? No. I think you did, Mark. You, you, first off, you gave us the wrong name in our text message <laughs> notes, and now you're telling yesterday. us p.m. This guy's going to be calling tonight. At Hello, six, I'm here to talk <laughs> to Kevin and Jake. Uh, Everybody in Arizona is wanting to have dinner at 6. He's like, I can't. I got to do a phone in with 107.5 at Indy. Well, I guess we Bob should Bob answers. Uh, Hello. Adam Vinatieri is going to join us, right? Yes, Vinatieri is for sure calling. 
He is? He is. And we'll have, uh, have Tony, you checked with him? I have checked okay. with him. Tony East joined us to make talk sure. Pacers trade deadline coming up. You know, I, I always If he doesn't call fun. pizza on me, how about that? If Adam Vinatieri doesn't I call. always thought, by the way, that, and I remember once asking him, it's, it's Vinatieri technically, right? Of course you're going to go there with him. Should I not ask him that? Are we? He might hang up. Are we you. correct on this new pacer, the silent N, Jordan I, Wara? I asked my brother because he's a Bucks fan. He said it's Wara. Yeah. It's like Chuku Wakore. The N is silent. Jordan Wara has got such a great looking shooting stroke. He had a 28 point game for Milwaukee. I mean, he. He could fill it up. They obviously, the Pacers decided that they wanted to. Everyone knows that the Pacers need an additional wing defender slash shooter. And Milwaukee was in a situation where they wanted to get Jay Crowder. They had to free up some salary. The Pacers said, we'll take on some salary. George Hill and Serge Ibaka are two guys that you're basically taking on the salary for them. In George Hill's case, you're going to take some of his leadership. And... In the case of Wara, I think it was, you know what? What the hell? Like, we'll do the Jalen Smith thing with Phoenix, right? We'll take him off your hands. We'll see if there's an additional bonus here of the fact the guy can play, and then we'll go with it. Yeah, as much as defense is certainly an issue, I do think the second unit for Indiana could use some shooting with TJ McConnell, Benedict Matherin there. Um, Jake, it sounds like, I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski, I think, mentioned this. Zach Lowe has mentioned it. There are several reports out there that the Pacers offered three first-round picks for OG and Anobi, and the Raptors said no. Um, the Raptors must have really wanted something for Ananobi because he's been on the block forever and he's still there, right? A little surprised that the Raptors would say no to that if they feel like yeah, he could walk in free agency. He's not a free agent, I believe, this offseason. It'd be next offseason. I, I I would have been totally good with that. I really like Ananobi. I think he is still an ascending type of player. I think he addresses your biggest weakness of perimeter defense. He is a good defender, yep. And Jake, I think he's that guy that he averages whatever, 16, 17 a game, but I don't think he'd be demanding of the ball. I think he'd be fine to let Halliburton, Matherin, even healed, kind of do their thing, certainly be a complimentary offensive piece, but really give you that, frankly, that edge that you need on the defensive end of the floor that the Pacers don't have. Am I correct in this? When he was at Indiana, I mean, he was obviously a really good player, OG Ananobi at Indiana, and you you kind of saw him blossom before your very eyes. I mean, credit to Tom Crean. That was one of his guys that really flourished under him, but it seemed like he was almost primarily a low block player at Indiana. Am I wrong there? I don't yeah, remember him necessarily being like an outside about guy. him like developing the perimeter aspect to his game. I think he showed some flashes of it, but you know when you're that size at the college game, I mean six eight, what two twenty, maybe he was two oh five in college, two ten. I think you always were like, oh yeah, physically he can handle himself down low, and he's a great athlete. Uh, but the questions were, could he develop perimeter wise? And he certainly has. So you did not see Ananobi move. You did not see John Collins or Obi Toppin. That was another name. Obi Toppin was one that I think... Pacers were thrown around with. I mean, he's the kid out of Dayton that's with the Knicks. Uber athletic. And that he was on the block. And again, sometimes though, Kevin, you wonder... When we hear that players are on the trade block, some of that's agent-driven. You know, you don't know how much... Like, was New York really shopping him? We don't know that, right? Sure, there's a lot of ulterior motives from the team side, the agent side. 
all of that. I do think, because I got a lot of questions about this, Jake, and I know you, you and I were exchanging some texts yesterday about it. Serge Ibaka will never play for the Pacers, correct? Conflicting reports there, but that would appear to be likely. He's played two games all year. Yeah. Or like since Thanksgiving, to be um, a little bit more fully honest, I guess, about that. And then on the George Hill front, do we think he is going to play for Indiana? If I'm George Hill at the age of 37, I guess it's, or he's going to be 37 in a few months, I guess it's great to be on your hometown team, but isn't George Hill going for a ring? Uh, I think George Hill. Let me tell you something interesting about George Hill. So I did a, a show with George Hill for two years, maybe. Boy, George and I can get some drinks together then. That's and discuss right. Discuss working with you. Um, and George Hill is an interesting. First off, he's a he's a great guy. I, I mean, he's a very good person. Um, he loved San Antonio. He loved Greg Popovich. I mean, when I say loved, I mean like find somebody in your life that reveres you the way that he did Greg Popovich in San Antonio. And he was always grateful for, I think, the opportunity that San Antonio gave him, but also the structure that San Antonio gave him. And when George Hill ended up a pacer... I think that a lot of people assumed that for George Hill, it was like, this is the best thing ever to happen to me. And I think it was hard for him. I think it was really difficult for him the first go round to be a pacer because first off, you had the, you know, he's traded for the draft rights to Kawhi Leonard. But in addition to that, he's a really nice guy who cares a lot about Indianapolis and his family and his friends. And I think that he felt a pressure to kind of appease everyone. And I think that we think that playing professional sports in your hometown would be the greatest thing ever. But when you factor in ticket requests and just proximity to people that, that kind of have their hand out, I don't mean as family, I mean just in general, or things that you see that you feel a greater responsibility towards helping out with because of your proximity to the story, because it's your hometown, I just think that he was always kind of uncomfortable with that group because if you remember, they, they got out to a great start one year and the whole year collapsed and people were talking to rumors of Paul George and Roy Hibbert and girlfriends and when in reality, and a lot of people came down on George Hill as, you know, well, he's he's the one guy in that starting five that's not an elite level player at his position. And I think he was actually. He was an elite-level defender in his prime. He was a really solid player for Indiana. He's had a hell of a career, Jay. And I think, I know, and I think the thing that really bothered him, quite frankly, I think the reason that team collapsed was Lance Stevenson. And I know he's a wonderfully popular player, but... They had set plays, and each play had an alternate play. So they'd come down, and they they, they call out play thirty-one. And if the ball, if play thirty-one means the entry pass goes to Roy Hibbert, 
if they go opposite of Roy Hibbert, then that means that you automatically go to the alternate play. So George Hill comes down. He sees that the defense is set up where play 31 is not going to be the one to go to. Everyone knows that if he doesn't go to Roy Hibbert, that means you now divert to play 23. So he he's supposed to throw into Roy Hibbert, and instead he kicks it on the wing to David West, and every and the everybody knows that means play 23 is now the one that we're going to run. That's set, except for Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson would go rogue and just do whatever the hell Lance Stevenson wanted to do. And the fans loved it, but I think players absolutely were like, what are we doing here? And George Hill carried the brunt of that, and I think that that really bothered him. And so now he's back. He's in an advisory-like leadership role, and I'm curious to see how many minutes he gets, number one, but also just how he embraces that because I don't know that he was ever totally comfortable playing here. George Hill, unbelievable career. Um I've always enjoyed watching him. His style, I I, I like. Uh, I don't need to see him play one minute for the Pacers the rest of the season. Um, I think that would be a mistake given his age, given the direction of your franchise. Um, you could argue that T.J. McConnell, Daniel Tice's minutes should be scaled back a bit here over the final 25 games or so. Um, again, I don't think I need to be seeing George Hill out there on the floor. We'll talk more about that here in about a half hour with Tony East. Adam Vinatieri joins us in five. Let's hit a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake really enjoyed being inside of Mackey Arena last night, and it was Purdue 87-73 over Iowa. The freshmen were outstanding. A nice bounce back for Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. Braden Smith had a career-high 24, 8 of 10 shooting. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You get the vibe when you're in a building like that. The home crowd has obviously seen Purdue play so much this season. They want Braden Smith to shoot the ball more. Matt Painter wants him to shoot the ball more. Iowa went under a few screens. Braden Smith made them pay early on. A bit of a quiet night for the usual Standard of Zach Eady still had a double-double, 14-14. and 14. Caleb First and Mason Gillis gave them some nice minutes as well. Um, so Purdue, 87-73. Here was Matt Painter afterwards in the W. We just didn't let them get into a rhythm at that time. I thought we contested shots. I thought we were there. Zach did a good job of kind of patrolling the paint and uh, changing some shots, blocking some shots. Um, Ethan did a good job on Chris Murray. But then once they got their head up, you know, that was the difference in the second half. You can't allow those guys to get their heads up. But, you know, that's easier said than done. But I thought we did a good job of just – setting the tempo of the game by being able to get stops. If you're getting stops against them, they can't set up and get into their press, and that's what they want to do. Uh, also last night in college basketball, on the women's side, Grace Berger 26-9, Mackenzie Holmes 24-6. and is Indiana, the number two team in the country, gets an 87-78 win over highly ranked Iowa. So things continue to roll for the Hoosiers in terms of women's basketball. Highest ranking in school history, by the way. Mark, we're hoping to have Terry Morin on at some point. Is that correct? Bat signal's out, so hopefully next week. Uh, IU ranked number two in the land. Tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it's the Indiana Pacers taking on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Keep an eye on what exactly the Suns injury report looks like today. They played last night in Atlanta. Kevin Durant is still out. Will not be back until the All-Star break, it sounds like. Uh, Devin Booker did not play due to illness, so maybe those Kentucky hats will be kept in storage if Devin Booker does not play. But we'll see if we get DeAndre Ayton against Miles Turner. I would love to see that. Uh, But that will be probably the big storyline tonight in Washington tomorrow as the Pacers have a back-to-back. 
Again, they have lost 13 of 15. Tomorrow in Washington, they will try and snap the road losing streak, which dates back to December 23rd. Uh, by the way, in the association last night, Orlando winning over Denver 115-102. It was Atlanta over Phoenix. Again, Kevin Durant not playing yet for the Suns. They are here at the Fieldhouse, as Kevin mentioned tonight. Milwaukee 115-106 over the Lakers and Brooklyn. The Nets 116-105 over the Bulls. College action tonight. It is Xavier and Butler, 7 o'clock. Youngstown State and Purdue-Fort Wayne. That game tonight so as well. Bad mod of Sean Miller rivals? Uh, you spill the same coaching staff. Now sure, they're both not? back at their respective school. Is Xavier Butler a rivalry? I think it kind of is. I think it kind of is, right? Xavier, have you watched them, Jake? They are good. Yeah, they're good. They're deep march. Quality win for Indiana. Potentially April. Definitely a very quality win on the road for the Hoosiers. Speaking of the Hoosiers, again, we'll mention this. Um, Indiana Connections trade deadline-wise yesterday. Obviously, we talked about George Hill. Eric Gordon back to the Clippers, so now he is on a contender to try and make a deep playoff run, and Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets. Boy, if you're Thomas Bryant, you go from the Lakers drama to arguably the best team in the West? What you get for asking for a pass from LeBron when he's right there on the cusp of the record. <laughs> right? Yeah, that picture. That's awesome. That should be in Thomas Bryant's man cave. That's right. Adam Vinatieri, he joins us next here. Kevin Aquari. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Rolling along on a Friday. Happy Friday to you, Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on 93.5, 107.5, the fan. And, of course, it is the ultimate weekend for the NFL. And that means going to the guy who is probably as synonymous with this game as anybody. And, of course, in Indianapolis, you know him as the longtime kicker of the Colts. Future Hall of Famer and perfectly fitting. Yesterday was National Pizza Day, Adam Vinatieri, but uh, we're just going to extend that an extra day because DiGiorno's is making it possible for you to join us this morning. Good morning to you. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, first off, you know, I I want to clarify this for you like once and for all because people have laughed at me forever on this, and I want you to tell me if I'm neurotic or if I am accurate, Okay. I have okay. always said that, technically speaking, your name is Adam Vinatieri. And everybody's like, no, 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 it's Vinatieri. I'm like, no, I get that. But I think if you were to go through his lineage, it's Vinatieri. Am I out of my mind? You know what? I don't really mind how you, you know, my mom always said, why don't you correct them? And I said, as long as they're saying it, I really don't care if they're pronouncing it right or wrong, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, it's we we say Vinatieri, but I've heard a lot of people pronounce it with more enunciation. So if you want to call me Adam Vinatieri, knock yourself out. I don't mind either way. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is spelled like that. It is. So, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's Italiano, right? Us Italians like throwing vowels all over the place. So what are you sure. going to do? That's well, right. not only future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, future first ballot Hall of Famer, he is Adam Vinatieri. And like Jake said, pretty fitting to have him on this week. Adam, I, I know in some way, shape, or form you've answered the question a million times, but if you could walk us through the thought process on those two game-winning kicks that you had, and, and did you feel like Super Bowl-wise, 
when New England was going down the field and you ended up kicking those two game winners, did what you felt on the sidelines of those two kicks, was it any different than a game winner in week 13 against the Titans? Well, yes and no. I, honestly, I mean, the pressure and, and you know what's on the line. So if you really start to think about that, then it can be overwhelming. You know, I think before the game started and the pregame warm-up stuff, I, for me, was kind of that, you know, you, you're getting goosebumps and you're thinking about what's going on. But I think when the game starts, it almost just becomes a normal game. Um, obviously, with much larger stakes and, you know, bragging rights at the end if you win and all that stuff. But I tried not to think about, what it meant and more and just trusting the process of, you know, Hey Adam, you've done this a million times in practice in the middle of July, that kind of thing. This is no different as far as the kick is concerned, obviously a lot more implications on what it means if you make it or miss it. But you know, for me, the only good thing about the, the first, uh, the first Super Bowl game winner is two weeks before that we played in the, the divisional snowball game. And that one was very, very difficult physically. So this one, when I got into that, into the, into the Super Bowl, I was like, no conditions, you know, it's a 48 yarder, which is not a chip shot by any means, but you don't have to worry about wind and snow and crazy footing and all that stuff. So I really, really just kind of, you know, kind of just zoned in and thought more about my technique and, you know, my particular swing thought of what I normally do to prepare for a kick. And then at that point, you just trust your, your body in the process. You've done it a million times before. You just kind of, you just kind of go with it. it. It sounds funny, but I mean, I can remember, you know, what the guys were saying and doing on the field when we we're getting lined up and what my holder said to me before I kicked and all that stuff. But it really is, it's really the, the process doesn't change as long as you don't let your mind kind of mind screw you a little bit. You know what I mean? Jake, you know you've had a pretty good career when he has to clarify first That's right. Super Bowl That's game right. winning <laughs> kick, right? You know? Yeah. Right. Well, the second one was a little different. You know, we were expected to win that game and it came down, end of the game, we're tied up. So that I would I would almost say that there was more expectation. So a little bit more pressure on that. The, the first one when we were playing the, the Rams, we were supposed to get our butts kicked. So we were the underdogs and it was we were playing from a different type of role, so just felt a little bit different as far as that's concerned, but there's nothing like winning your first Super Bowl. I mean, confetti coming down and everybody hugging and crying, and, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It's super, super badass. You know, when you, Adam, when you've been to multiple Super Bowls, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this, and obviously we have two franchises here in Kansas City and Philly that you know have a lot of guys that have played in multiple here, but which was, I guess, from from the first to the second, which was the one thing that you think is the advantage for guys that have been through it? Just simply the stakes and the pressure of knowing everybody's watching that particular game? Or is it the week leading up to it, all of the media requests and family and ticket requests and all of the auxiliary stuff? Which one is more draining? 100% the second, for sure. I think I think you don't experience... It's never like this except for Super Bowl week. So every day your media obligations are lots and lots more. And, and all of the, you know, the circus that comes around, you know, the fanfare and the, you know, the security and all the, all the stuff that goes with it, not to mention your, your, your extra off-the-field stuff. You're trying to make sure all the family has their hotels and tickets and all. And you usually don't have to deal with a lot of that stuff. So, you know, I think, I think good coaches and good staffs make sure that uh, – Hey, listen, we're going to get, we're going to help you out. We're going to get this all done. So by Wednesday, when we start our regular week practice stuff, all that crap is already taken care of. So you can just concentrate and think about football. And then at that, you still have all of the, the obligations and everybody talking about it. you turn on the TV and everybody's talking about the game. So it just, 
the hype and the buildup, the week is so draining that you're about Thursday. You're ready to play the game, and you're just you just can't wait till Sunday to get there so you can finally play the game and get it going. You know. You know the story, and it may be Adam Urban legend at this point. I don't know, but the famous story from the Niners back in the day is that Joe Montana is they're getting ready to go on their drive against the Bengals. Mm. They're in the huddle mm-hmm. and he says like, hey man, did you guys see like John Candy's in the stands? And and that <laughs> loosened everybody, right? And everybody's like, holy cow, like this guy's cool and composed. Do yep. you have a particular moment you can share at, at any point in any of the games that you played in as a Patriot or a Colt? Was there ever a moment you had where you thought to yourself, you know what, we're going to be all right because this dude's pretty loose or this team's pretty loose, and that shows why? Well, Brady was very much that way. I was never in the huddle with him, obviously. I mean, we weren't on the field at the same time, but I've heard a lot of stories about him you know, talking and just being so calm and cool that, that a lot of the guys around you don't get overly excited. Like, it's, oh, it's just a normal, normal thing. Now, guys that were on the field with me at the time, you, you obviously you guys know him being in Indianapolis – Pat McAfee is the biggest clown on the planet, and I say that in a good way. He was always keeping it lighthearted and funny and jawing to the other guys on the field or saying something, whatever. And, and that, like, for me, like, everybody, you know, nobody understands or knows what, what our communications are like, but sometimes it's just funny, silly stuff that just kind of, like, takes the pressure off and you just kind of giggle a little bit or whatever when we're out there, and, and then the next thing you know, it's back to focus. But, yeah, keeping it light usually helps a lot. The the pressure can get going, and if you can kind of just get that out of there and, and think about uh, think about the process of doing your job, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. So, yeah, there's a million different stories of, of what guys are saying and doing and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it, the, the, the most confident players and the best players are usually the funny ones that are out there that can, can be serious and, and focused and yet have a good time when they're doing it as well. As clutch as they come, he is Adam Vinatieri. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And Adam, I know um, when you look at the Colts season this year individually, there weren't a lot of positives, but I would argue the biggest positive was the kicker, and that was Chase McLaughlin. And he's a free agent now, and I would say he's an important re-sign for the Colts. Uh, Chase took over for you there to end that 2019 season. Curious your thoughts on what you saw from Chase this season, and I know he's lived in Indy for several years now, if your guys' paths yep. have ever crossed. We have. We've talked several times. We've we've actually worked out together at times. Um, he's a he's a great human being and a very very good kicker as well. So I think you're right. I think he's a a definite re-sign back. I think he had a really good year again, and uh, you know he's the right guy for the organization. He does a he does a really nice job, and and like I said, he's not. He's a quiet, non-arrogant, just, he just goes out there and does his job, and he does it very well. And me being an old-school guy, I kind of like that. I know a lot of people in this world, this day and age, are more concerned about their Twitter followers and how many people they've got, this and this and this. And Chase has never been that way. He was always about you know, playing good football and helping his team win, and that's exactly what you're looking for. If you, if you have a kicker, you want a kicker, you need a kicker, he's the type of guy that you definitely want. Now, when you say work out, Last few pictures I've seen of you, it looks like you're like Luke Rhodes and Quentin Nelson with your workout plan here. Uh, care to share what, what what the workout routine looks like for Adam Vinatieri? Because it doesn't look like your average kicker. Well, you know, here's the deal. You know, when, when you retire, you have a little extra free time. And with COVID a couple years back, everybody sat around and ate and drank too much. And, and I got 
a, a couple extra pounds on me there for a while. I said, no, nope, I'm not going down that road. I want to be a, a good looking 50 year old, not a, not a dad bod 50 year old. So, uh, you know, I just, uh, I just enjoy it. You know, it, it kind of helps me, you know, transition from football where you're, you're at the facilities for eight or 10 hours a day and you're working out every day and you're kicking and doing all that. Like for me, when I was at home sitting around, I was missing out on something and, I think working out and, and lifting and doing that kind of stuff just really helped me kind of, even though I wasn't in the building, it kind of, it filled that hole that I was missing a little bit. And I really enjoy it. You know, my, my son is 19 and he thinks he's hot. He's hot to trot now. So he's trying <laughs> to overtake that. So we've got a little bit of family competitive and I know there'll be a time really soon that he's going to, He's going to overtake me, but I'm I'm kicking and fighting every bit of that I can. I hope hopefully he doesn't get it for a couple of years still. Good for you, Dad. <laughs> okay. Speaking of family, or and Adam Vinatieri, by the way, is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Speaking of family, Adam, I always want to test Wikipedia. Wikipedia is all knowing, as we know, but sometimes there are fibs in there. I have two family yeah. anecdotes. I want to run past you as fact or fiction in the annals of Adam Vinatieri. You ready? Okay. Yep. Um, either your great, I believe it would be your great grandfather essentially worked underneath Custer but had his life saved because he did not go to the Battle of Bighorn. Fact or fiction? 100%, 100% truth. Yep. He, my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather came over from Italy and joined the military when he when he hit Ellis Island and because that was kind of the, the, the job that was available for immigrants at the time. He was also a piano maker back in Italy and composed his own music and stuff. Early in their time, General George Custer met him liked his music, liked him as a person, and made him General's, uh, General Custer's bandmaster. So as they went across the Dakota territories and stuff like that, they, they, the, the band stayed back at, the, at Fort Meade before the Battle of Little Bighorn where all of the soldiers and everybody um, got killed. And thank goodness, I don't know if he had his children prior to that or after that, but I very well may not have been here and ever broke any records in the NFL if he would have went on that fateful day. So that is fact. Okay, that is fascinating, number one. Um, and number two, and by the way, it, Adam, aside from just the historical aspect of it, the story of a piano maker coming to the United States and then fulfilling you know, a dream for his family and then you become, you know what I mean? The whole story is it's kind of what it's all pretty about, wild. right? It's, it's yeah, what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, okay, secondly, you are or are not related to Evil Knievel? He's my mom. He was my mom's second cousin. So I, if you want to go very far off on the on the family tree, yes, it's funny enough that I, when he was still alive, he used to send we Christmas cards and stuff back and forth. We would, and he he congratulated me, wished me luck before some of the Super Bowls back in the day. So um, don't have a lot of uh, a lot of personal experience with him other than some phone calls and stuff like that i know his son rob and stuff i've, I've met and talked to once or twice but uh yeah in fact very distant relative but uh, i guess it's on the family tree out there a little way did you ever have the little toy that you wind up we're the same age i was born in 72 absolutely also. no yeah, doubt it would absolutely. go like eight feet and fall stuff. over <laughs> <laughs> i had all the poster on the wall with him on his oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> again adam and terry the future first bout hall of famer he's with us here on behalf of DiGiorno's doinks campaign we'll get to him and rob gronkowski here in just a second adam i i know you are you know still close with certainly a lot of colts inside of that building even some players that were your you know former teammate Again, from afar, what did you feel like led to the demise this season? Um, you know, I, I feel like they've got a lot of really good players there. The skill levels there. I thought the defense played 
you know, fairly well, kept them in the games and stuff. I just, you know, for one reason or another, I felt like the, that the, they were lacking a little bit maybe in the leadership side of it maybe. It, it's not just one thing, you know. It was always just a little bit. You couldn't run the ball well enough. Uh, a lot of pressure on the quarterback, you know. They're... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to point fingers at anything. I just feel like um, you know, leadership is a, is a huge thing. And every team that I've always that I've ever played for that have won championships have not only had good coach leadership, but player leadership too. Like you don't you don't have to tell a great player to go do this or to make sure they're on time or to go work out. These guys not only do it themselves, but they drag a couple of guys with them. So they elevate the team around. Peyton Manning, prime example of that. Tom Brady, prime example of that. And, and all the teams that I've played on had self-motivating, you know, guys that wanted not only to be in the league and make money and all that stuff, but they wanted to take their team to the next level. And I, and I just, and I, I can't put my finger on it. I wasn't in the, the, the facilities, but I just felt like maybe just a little bit of lack of leadership might have been the, the, the demise this year. Okay, as we let you go, I know you've been practicing with Rob Gronkowski. That's 6'7", 260-pound. Well, I, I don't know what his playing weight is these days. Uh, for the $10 million kick via FanDuel that we will see on Sunday, uh, give us your thoughts on Gronk as a kicker. Is he a toe basher at that size? <laughs> yeah, his form is not beautiful, I'm not going to lie, but he's not a, a natural kicker. He's got size 16 or 17 or 18 foot so it probably makes it a little bit more difficult but uh yeah he's kind of a mixture between soccer style and and uh toe bashing whatever uh when we worked together i tried to coach him up a little bit and then i realized listen i'm not going to turn him into an nfl kicker uh we just need to make a kick when it counts so we've been working a little bit i uh, you know he's a he's a professional that wants to do well so i think he's going to go out there and and make his kick, and hopefully a bunch of people, uh, you know, make a bunch of m- bunch of money from FanDuel. So that's all. And here, and with the with the campaign I'm doing right now with DiGiorno's Doinks, um, any any kick, field goal, or PAT missed, or, or that Doinks the upright doesn't matter if they miss it or make it. Uh, DiGiorno's is given free pizza, and the only reason nice. I put those together, well, and then yeah, all you have to do is visit DiGiorno'sDoinks.com for a chance to be a part of that, and. I'm finding out because since he's kicking in the middle of the third quarter, I'm just curious if he doinks it. I, you know, I'm getting. I got to find out by legal, but uh, I think uh, I think yeah. people should get some free pizza if he yeah. doinks it too. But he better doink it, but he better make it too, though. So, All right, Harrison <laughs> Bucker, so dang it, he better do it. <laughs> hey, Vanderjet did that on Monday Night Football in Tampa. You doink it, it goes through. It's still three points. That's right. Exactly Jake, right. Jake Elliott, Harrison Bucker, Gronk. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, we got to be cheer, cheer for the kisses from Harrison Butker and Jake Elliott coming up on Sunday. That's exactly right. And if they double doink it and kiss it in, I don't think they get double pizza. I just think it's just, <laughs> just don't, don't, don't uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. Just enjoy your pizza. <laughs> Amen. Hey, no better person to have on 48 hours before Super Bowl Sunday than the clutchest of all time. That is Adam Vinatieri. Adam, safe travels back to Indy and love to have you on again uh, here coming up later this year. You betcha. Thank you, guys. Take care. It's a fun interview with Adam Vinatieri right there. If you missed any of that, that will be up on the podcast. Um, all right, we're up against it. We will get back into the Pacers trade deadline moves. Tony East joins us in 10. I am the first to admit that I was never like a huge Lady Gaga fan. I mean, I, I don't dislike her, but I, like I wasn't listening to her at her peak probably. But that is that song in particular. Would you agree, Mark? That's probably her staple song. That's my right? favorite song by I her. I thought you were she, playing that, that 
I thought he was playing that for Goga. Gaga That's right. for Goga uh, gone. Yeah. Also, or was that Super Bowl, Super Bowl halftime? Uh, Super, well, that ties in together, so there you go. Oh, okay. Um, it was unintentionally tied in. Well, the romance between Goga Batazzi and the Pacers apparently was a bad romance because it's over, right? That's a fabulous song, is what yeah, I'm Yeah, I thought Lady yeah, Gaga did a nice job. And that she was, is an amazing that performer. That was Lady Gaga was back in. I'll say two, 2014. 2017. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was. I always found it interesting in the movie that she did with um, Bradley Cooper. Stars Born. Yeah, she was a very good actress. Uh, y- you would make the argument, and that if you said like one of these people is a musician first and actor second, you would have reversed it. Yeah, You'd say, you know what I mean. Extremely talented. Uh, I'm looking forward to Rihanna coming up on Sunday night. The first song is uh, the favorite. Is this is what I came for? The last song, "Don't Stop the Music." I think you look at the titles of both of those songs. That makes a whole lot of sense there. Now, are there wagers, like prop bets on... Aren't there usually like the order of songs and that kind of thing? Yeah, and I've got one more prop bet, and I thought this is a good one, Jake. We can incorporate the fourth floor and the sixth floor here. Oh, okay. Okay? Good. Yeah. So hear me out on this one, all right? Okay. And by the way, Tony East here in a few. Talk Pacers trade deadline. Okay, what is going to be higher? The total points scored in the Super Bowl or Joe Biden's disapproval rating? Oh, you got to go with the latter there, right? What is Biden's approval rating right now? Uh, Do we know that? Uh, 41%. That's a guess. Should we get Tony Katz here? So that would be his disapproval then would be 59, correct? You yeah. about the chairs. I don't know. Off that math, total points scored in the game. <laughs> 59 points would be a lot in the game, right? Yeah. This is uh, I mean, 41%. Look at who this. Said- Jake's just... All over I mean, Fox uh, News come and on. CNN. Uh, come on. Look at that. Why don't you tell me how much eggs cost right now? <coughs> well, pants. I know it'll shock you that it's been a while since I've purchased. You know what I mean? Yeah, that seems like... Yeah, and now that I'm looking at it, disapproval rating is minus 150, so I guess that makes a little sense there. But hey, can we get 3130? Are we going to get a shootout? I sure hope so. It I does want feel better, like... I want better than the uh, championship games. That's what I want. Well, certainly better than the divisional round. Yeah. Championship, we had one good one and one with a half a quarterback. Yeah. Again, past Arizona Super Bowls, been very, very good. What were the two? Two so far, right? Uh, Malcolm Butler's interception. Okay. And David Tyree catch. Gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. Um, all right, Tony East joins us next, explaining everything Pacers trade deadline related. It was complicated. We'll get some clarity on it next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Now, this was a Super Bowl halftime show that people 
mocked, right? Wasn't he like in the House of Mirrors? He's lost in the House of Mirrors. Yeah, the right. weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was it. Was that was very, an interesting one? It was pretty tri- pretty trippy. And then he had the bandage of the bloody noses and the like the plastic surgery bandages and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do feel like show. this like song though gets kind of all the age groups bobbing their head. Oh yeah, it's a good song. My my five year old loves this song. I think Tony East might be doing it right now. He might just be glad that the trade deadline is over. Uh, Tony East is on the Payless Liquors Hotline, uh, si.com. You can see his written work and Locked on Pacers, the podcast. Tony, it was um, it was a complicated day for the Pacers, at least I think to the common foe, and honestly to I think even you know diehard fans trying to make an explanation of it all. So as best you can and as elementary as you can, explain how the Pacers were able to acquire Jordan Nora, uh, three sec- second round picks, and not give up any players trade wise. Yeah, they had to. Uh, they had to have three roster spots to get three players from the Bucks. So, in total, what happened is they waived three guys, which was Goga Batadze, Terry Taylor, and James Johnson, uh, three guys who, who don't play much for them this season. And then they took in three players from the Bucks in the deal that got the Bucks Jay Crowder <laughs> from a different team, and so they got, like you said, Jordan Wara. Uh, George Hill, former Pacer, most know who he is, and uh, Serge Ibaka, a veteran big man who has played for a couple teams. They get three second-round picks uh, for doing so. Uh, that you know, they take some salary that presumably the Bucks and Nets and Suns did not want. Uh, those teams are all paying the luxury taxes here, so they can shed some money. The Pacers get some picks for their for their cap space. Pacers also get some cash uh, from the Nets, and so. Uh, Pacers get three assets and three players in exchange for their three players. I think that makes sense from a business perspective, even though it was complicated and they had to wait three different guys to facilitate it all. So basically, Tony, and I know that one of the things that they the Pacers gave up were the draft rights to a guy that was drafted in 2015 <laughs> that's been bounced around. This guy's draft rights have been, I'm talking about Juan Pablo, I believe it's Vuerte is how you say his name. But so essentially... For those to simplify this, you tell me if this is a correct statement. The Pacers were rewarded with some draft picks and, if they so choose, the service of a few players because they were willing to alleviate financial hits from other franchises. Thus, they didn't have to give up a lot to be able to do so because they were willing to get out their checkbook to make things easier on those other franchises in the meantime. That's how that's how I would interpret it. I don't know for a fact that none of the teams involved in this fourteen trade, because technically this is looped into the Kevin Brandt deal, and then a bunch of other stuff gets swapped around, and the Pacers end up with this stuff. And so that's how I would assume the case went down. Because you know it, it, they they waived three players and acquired three players, right? If somebody wanted in this trade the three players that the Pacers cut, they would have just sent them to one of Phoenix, Brooklyn, or Milwaukee. So that is why my assumption is that. You know, by by taking on the money that is no longer going to be paid by a tax team, the Pacers get paid in in second round picks and potentially guys that that could you know be something for them on the court, particularly Nwora, given that he's 24 and plays power forward. Um, but yes, that is that is a fair way to describe it. I would say. Okay, again, Tony East is with us. T East NBA on Twitter. Are we under the assumption, Tony, that Serge Ibaka will never play for the Pacers? Uh, that is the assumption, yes. Uh, Sean Strani reported that yesterday uh, before anything even got announced. They still had to clear a roster spot to bring him in, but it sounds like you know what, 
what trades get announced and then guys have to complete physicals elsewhere for it to officially be totally complete. But once I think it's, it's totally done and everything like that, uh, I, I would assume at this stage that Ibaka will be waived the second they, they technically can. Uh, and he will not. I don't even know if they'll show up in Indiana. I don't know for, for a fact either way, but uh, if they're planning on waving him, there's no real point. Okay, and then James Johnson could be brought back. I think you had that report after these things go through. Um, the other item to note will be George Hill. Um, I guess kind of twofold with George Hill. Do you expect George Hill to stay here? Slash, do you expect him to play, and should he play if he is on the Pacers roster? It sounds like he's staying uh, right away. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. You know, and he only makes four, four million for the for this year, so whatever one third of that is for the rest of the year. Uh, he is not. He doesn't contribute much for the Bucks this year. Clearly. You know, on the decline, he's 37, right? Like, he, he'll be the oldest pacer for the rest of the season. But is a good vet. Been on some finals teams. Played on a ton of very good teams. Like, he's bounced around several contenders for years and years because guards who can kind of shoot and kind of defend are still pretty valuable. As for the pay, playing on the pacers specifically, you know, I, I wouldn't play him over any guard they have right now. Uh, so I don't know that he'll play. It doesn't really make sense for him to to get minutes, I don't know who you take minutes from to get him on the court, but they did need point guard insurance, right? Like when they were missing Halliburton, they had to play, you know, sometimes Trevor and Queen or James Johnson at point guard for a few minutes a game just to get by. And then those minutes didn't work very well. So I suppose that, that they have some injury insurance now. And as for Hill sticking for, you know, a while, again, I don't know how long Hill won't be here. I haven't really done it. Remember that. I'm sure that they got any Tyrese Burton. He started on it first. I think he played game five games with Pacers, helped him get a win, and then was bought out. Ended up getting more money to to join the Bulls. So perhaps if something like that could happen with George Hill, but it's also possible they just keep him the rest of the season and let him ride it out as a vet. He still certainly loves Indiana. It's in his name on Twitter. His name on Twitter is still Indiana George Hill, even when he was with the Bucks. So. Uh, he certainly has an affinity for this market and perhaps could be a valuable veteran for this team. Tony, let me tell you one thing that's not of concern to me but gives me a little pause, and I think that Pacers fans may be surprised by this. I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. James Johnson's a guy that I think a lot of people looked at and said, why is this guy on the roster? He's like 50 years old. He's played for like 15 teams. He doesn't play a lot for the Pacers. Um, he was kind of like the the uncle of the roster, and I think some of those young players really liked him, looked up to him, and I think that he kept that locker room intact. Not that it needed that, but I'm saying he was a glue guy, to use that buzzword, and I'm curious to see how the locker room reacts by his departure. Your thoughts? He is definitely all those things you described. Like A lot of times you ask young players, you know, has any veteran been been helpful for you, who's kind of helped, helped guide your transition to the league, who's been good for you, and all of them, say James Johnson this year. Even veterans on the team talk about James Johnson in a way that's like, you know, this guy's a great leader. And when we talked to James Johnson, he talked about how he learned all these, these leadership skills, and blue that skills from Udonis Haslam when he played uh, for the Heat for a few years. He has been extremely valuable to this team in that way. Like, they, they wanted him for that exact role. Carlisle knew what he could provide from there overlap in Dallas so 
Uh, I don't, you know, it's never great to have to wave a guy, even if it's procedural, but it sounds like they would, they, they can and, and have the, if, if he clears waivers, because they had to cut him to make this trade, if he clears waivers and doesn't get scooped up by someone else, it, it sounds like they have interest in signing him again with the roster spot created by waving Ibaka, and I think it's because of all the things he's provided for this team, you know, in the locker room, guys always say that he's the best at pick-me-ups, and you know, just knows what to say, doesn't take crap from anybody, and I think that's super valuable on a young team that, you know, Rick Carlisle talks so much about how important this team's culture is and how it's a daily fight to to keep it how it is and how, how important it's been for their surprising start. I think he's the guy that they would like to have back as, as soon as they, they feasibly can because he's been so valuable for their team. Again, Tony East is with us, SI.com, uh, Locked on Pacers podcast. You've heard Tony on our shows a lot here over the last few weeks. He's done an outstanding job in previewing and now reviewing this trade deadline. All right, let's focus on Jordan Ora here for a second. And, you know, I recall him at Louisville. This is a guy that can shoot it for sure. He's got a really good-looking shooting stroke. I didn't realize he was 6'8", to be totally honest with you, Tony. That's pretty tall. Um, I'm not sure, though, if he can guard really anybody. Uh, Would you say that is kind of the description on a guy that will give this bench unit some spacing that they probably could use. Yeah, I think he's the most interesting piece they acquired in terms of, you know, if someone they got's going to pop or be the swing guy that makes this look really good for them at Tim, right? He's only twenty four, so so still young, definitely within their their age range and timeline. He's got a year left on his deal after this, so they get Plenty of time to kind of evaluate. He can be in your right at, at, at you know at Louisville, two-time All ACC guy, uh, 18 points per game his last year there, and was pretty good on the glass in college. But shot 40 percent from deep in college, and has been about 38 percent in his NBA career. I think that's the appeal of him is that thing you said that sweet looking shot. He's a good shooter, but yeah, the the defense is something to think about. He's he's kind of skinnier for a six foot eight player. It's not like he can really be physical at that spot in a way that sometimes like O'Shea Brissett, for example, can. Um, he's a good, like, team defender. Not good. He's, like, a fine team defender, I would say. He can he can read what's going on and be in the right spots. And he's pretty mobile. He's kind of fast. But he's not he's not going to solve a ton of their problems in terms of defending bigger wings. In fact, he probably won't solve any of those problems. But uh, he's a better option than a lot of the guys they, they, they could throw out there just because he's 6'8", right? It's, it's it's crazy how important height is for this team that has no natural forward. So certainly a flawed player and someone that could just turn out to be kind of nothing for them. But he he is the most promise of anyone they acquired, and at least could be in their rotation going forward. You know, Tony Tony East, by the way, is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. I found this interesting yesterday. This had to be the highest number of second round picks I've ever seen thrown around <laughs> across the league. Every trade had multiple second round picks being thrown around. And I remember when the, you know, there was a time when the NBA draft was 10 rounds, then it was eight, then it was six, then it was three, now it's two. Are we going to see a time actually where the NBA just does away with the second round altogether and it literally is a one-round draft and then undrafted free agents? No way. No way. <laughs> I think that they like having the number of guys that come into the league right now, two team, two pick slots per team just makes a lot of sense. And But nobody seems to covet having second-round picks. You got to get those guys coming out of the crowd, you know, when they get drafted in the second round. No, that's true. But but you get what I'm saying, though. Like, it... it 
I agree that there is value. I mean, Andrew Nimhard's a prime example. If you hit on one, it's a really good hit. But it seems like teams don't covet it anymore to be able to have those picks. Sort of. I mean, I I think the flip side of the argument that you're making is like, sure, a lot of second-round picks are traded away, but it also means the same amount were traded for, right? Like some team had to want them to complete these deals in full. And you know, it, it, it's interesting because like sometimes on draft night, the late second-rounders can literally just be like brought you know, from another team or, or acquired for nothing. But some of these good ones turn out to be something, like you said, with Nimbard. And all it takes is, you know, I, I don't know what percent chance teams give themselves on hitting on a second-round pick. It, it's got to be, you know, 20 15% or something like that. But, you know, you get five second-rounders over a few deals over a couple of years, and boom, like you have the odds say you'll hit on one of those and get a useful rotation player in your trade. And I don't think teams were willing to give up first this year, like literally all of deadline day yesterday, which had almost 20 trades. The only first-round pick movement was the Rockets getting a first-round pick swap in their Eric Gordon trade that will move them up like six or seven slots. You know, it doesn't sound like first-round pick draft equity was even like available in trades yesterday. So teams took these seconds, not because I mean, look, yes, they're not like the most valuable thing ever, but they facilitated a lot of stuff yesterday. That's the value of second rounders, and so maybe they aren't the draft part itself isn't the super appealing part for teams, but it's more about just having assets to move around to deals, but it, it takes two to tango, right? So, yes, they were given away a lot, but also some team had to want them and receive them to, to make these trades happen. So I think they still have some value these days. Tony, I did want to talk about Gogo Batadze, and obviously the tribute video for him will be probably him and Greg Foster getting into it. That'll probably be the biggest highlight on the old tribute video. But, you know, when you look back at Gogo's career, I, I'll never forget the night they drafted. I'm like, wow, they drafted a European guy with a top 20 pick. The Pacers don't often do that. And I think if you do that, what you're saying is we have to make a commitment to him at some point with playing time. Like If you're going to draft a guy from overseas, you've got to commit to him. And I was looking at it yesterday. In Goga's four seasons here, he played 20 minutes in three straight games only three times in four years. And if you look at those three sample sizes, albeit, again, just three games, but he averaged like 14 and 6, 13 and 8. I think one of them he averaged 17 and 6. Trust me, he looked lost on the defensive end of the floor. But I don't feel like they ever gave Goga like the month or two-month evaluation that, in my opinion, you have to give a guy if you're going to spend a top 20 pick on him. Or else he should never be drafted in the first place. Yeah, I agree with with everything you just said, right? And it, it's something interesting with Goga that he's always talked about in his time here that he feels like he plays better when he knows an opportunity is going to be there or he knows a consistent role is going to be there. And on one hand, yes, that like the numbers show that that's, that's true and good, that even at, like after the All-Star break last year, he was their, their backup center every game, and he was fine. Like he was, he was a pretty good player. That was the best stretch of his career. On the other hand, it's sort of a little bit of a negative that he can't just be like plug and play at any time, right? Like you, you have to have more structure for him to be good. But either way, you know, when you pick a guy top 20, like you said, I think you have to find some sort of plan to have them out there at some point. And I, maybe when they picked him, they thought that would be the case, right? Like he's their third big. If there's an injury, he could play. But it's kind of some of those incremental things that I thought were strange in Goga's career. Like Jakar Sampson was playing instead of him as their third big for a lot of his first and second seasons. And then they pick Isaiah Jackson, which again is fine. He's good, but now you're burying the guy you picked in the first round a few years ago. And then they had Jalen Smith. Like it just kept happening and happening where 
in a vacuum, every move they made made sense, but it also made their pick in 2019 make way less sense. And they never gave him the opportunity to, to improve. And granted, maybe they saw something in practice and said, no, we don't, we aren't ready to put him out there or anything like that. I don't know that, but uh, yeah, you have to ask, I think there's a lot of questions to be asked about that pick, what the plan was for it to, to happen on the floor. Cause it, it, it never did obviously. And, uh, the, the steps along the way that led to them just cutting it in the middle of his third season. Like that's definitely the most painful part of this is the process of now just completely waving your top 20 pick. And maybe he thinks somewhere else, right? TJ Leaf got another shot in Portland after the Pacers moved on from him, but we'll, we'll see what happens with Goga here. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of, of interesting decisions and steps between him getting drafted and yesterday. All right, last one for me. And again, Tony East, uh, you can see his work written wise, SI.com podcast locked on Pacers. Um, ESPN Zach Lowe had this about Indiana and their pursuit of OG Ananobi yesterday. Zach Lowe said Indiana offered three first-round picks plus the Rockets' second-round pick the Pacers have, which right now is the first pick in the second round. Um, are you? And I think Zach Lowe is super credible, so that's why I, I point this yeah. out. Are you surprised the Pacers, Pacers offered that much for Ananobi? Basically four picks in the top 31. Slash, are you surprised the Raptors said no? Interesting. I hadn't heard that one yet or dove in, so you're getting me thinking out loud kind of here. Uh, am I surprised the Pacers offered that? Not really, because the, the three of those four picks, assuming it's their entire draft this season, are, are not that great. right? Tw- whatever the Cavs are going to be, 25, 26, Celtics presumably 30, Rockets 31. You know, those, those are good. I mean, they're first, but they're not great. Their own pick is, is great. That's like one really good asset for Ananobi, and so I, I understand them offering it because you, know, you trade your draft for Ananobi. That's that's a good trade. He's a good player. They could consider renegotiating and extending him a la Miles Turner in the offseason if they got him. Like, there'd be a lot of ways that that could work out for them. And he, he he's a perfect fit, and there's a reason he's been talked about with the Pacers uh, in trade season. Uh, he's, he's a perfect fit, fantastic player. Obviously, with IU. Um, I, I think that I heard reported from other ESPNers that the Raptors' interest in, in dealing any of their young talent or any of their talent really was they wanted good young players, not necessarily picks. And I don't know that the Pacers could have stepped up to the table with any good young player that made sense to include in a deal like that that they'd be willing to part with or anyone that was actually good enough to be in that tier to make the Raptors make that, make that deal actually happen. But uh, I I'd have to dig into to where Declan said that because I would I guess I believe that. But um, I think that makes sense from an offer from a Pacers perspective if they truly wanted Ananobi. But I get why the Raptors who uh, are having a very strange season and a strange deadline would say no, we want valuable players and not just the chance at them in the draft. So I get why the Pacers offered it, and I understand I guess why the Raptors declined it. Was there anybody else, Tony, that it surprised you they weren't moved? Because sometimes. We hear a ton about a player that's on the block and then nothing happens. And then you wonder, like, well, was that all just smoke? Was there anybody else that jumped out at you? You're like, that's interesting that I heard a lot about him up to the deadline and then radio silent. John Collins again, right? Every year for him uh, with the Hawks. He has the the Miles Turner syndrome of being in trade headlines every year and never being moved. The thing with Collins is a little different. You know, he's been talked about ad nauseum from the Hawks, and even I think was linked to the Pacers by a few reports out there um, through through this trade deadline process. Is they, they switched front offices in Atlanta during the season. Landry Fields, their GM now, Kyle Korver uh, in their front office now. 
think some of their ownership groups, uh, son and friends are in that front office group. But either way, when they when they switched it over, I don't know that they had the same feelings about moving Collins or the asset return required to get him. But uh, he had never really had the role that I think he thinks he should have in Atlanta. And they've never really been the team that they would hope they could be with him on the court. So there's always been the talk of, of the the Hawks trading John Collins, but he's got this massive contract now, $125 million over the next couple of years that uh, he didn't get dealt again. And I, I think that was pretty surprising to most people who thought he'd be on the move. A couple of Hornets guys like Kelly Oubre, I thought, might get traded. Terry Rozier, I thought, might get traded this year. Neither of them ended up getting dealt. So there were some. There's always a few guys that you're like, huh, why couldn't that crappy team get anything for their veteran? But you, know, you never know what the offers are, and that's why some of these guys end up staying. Okay, Tony, we'll end with this. Sorry I lied. Uh, 4.30 today, Kevin Pritchard going to meet the media. I guess just the, the final kind of bows on all of this will be, does Ibaka get waived, or when does he get waived, might be the better way to put it. Is James Johnson brought back, and what exactly is the role for George Hill? That's pretty much what we're watching for. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, if they think New Orleans going to play every day, it would be something I'd be interested in as well, or if they view him kind of as a depth piece. At forward because yeah they're not going to talk about stuff they didn't do <laughs> and were offered so I think of the of the concrete moves they made yeah those would be the questions that I think uh, I would like to hear answered today. T East NBA on Twitter Tony great work I know the trade deadline uh, you know there are aspects of it that you love aspects of it that you hate um, I understandably but appreciate you entertaining all of our questions and recapping it today with us. Yeah of course thanks for having me guys. Tony East right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. And Jake, uh, just to clarify, I think you've had this pretty much, pretty much all morning long, but I did text Kristenary for the proper pronunciation on Jordan Wara. Right. Silent, Silent N. N. Yep. On that. So N-W-O-R-A, but the Louisville, they could do Louisville hat night for him. Oh, they could actually. Bring it back, right? Don't need Donovan Mitchell. They have some extras laying around. Jordan Wara. On that, I did briefly chat with someone who I had some time with. War at Louisville, and not the most ringing endorsement, really, for him there. But you mean as a uh, player or as a dude? Uh, probably more the latter. Seemed to be accepting of his role in Milwaukee. Granted, if I'm a bench guy on one of the best teams in the NBA, I'd probably be pretty accepting of it. And who knows? A lot of maturation can can occur between now and then. But just thought I'd pass that along. I was thinking about this last night. I had a conversation with somebody about this. Do you ever think NBA guys wake up like in the middle of the night in a hotel or even during shoot-around at an arena during the middle of like an eight-game road trip stop to say to themselves, like, no, wait, who are we playing tonight? Of course. I mean, how about the Suns right now, Jake? I don't know if I should say what hotel they're at here locally, but, I mean, they get in town at what? 2 a.m. last night after playing Atlanta. Right. And they wake up today and they're like, wait, who's on our roster and who right. do we got today? Right. Uh, George Hill told me a story once, the, the new, newly acquired George Hill, where he was on a road trip. They arrived at like 3 in the morning, got up in the morning, went to shoot around, and then they had to go back to the hotel for like two hours before the game. And he walks in the hotel, and he walks up to the front desk and says, I, I'm sorry, I left my key in the room. Oh, no problem. And, of course, they know, well, he's one of the NBA guys. So they say to him, what what room is it? You know, usually they're like, well, what's your – and he says, 410. So they give him the key to 410. He goes up and opens 410, walks in. There's like two people sitting there like, what are you doing? 
So he goes back down. Sorry, four ten is where we were last last night. You know what I mean? Like it just. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, part of the grind of the NBA season again. Four games left for the Pacers until the All Star break. That would be tonight. Phoenix tomorrow. Washington next week. Home games with the Jazz and the Bulls. Mark the Bulls and Cavs. The only two teams that did not make a move yesterday. Yep. Yeah. Some and disappointment Bulls fans are from the very Bulls angry. on that. Oh yeah, yeah, because they are pretty much running in place and uh, there was some smoke that Zach Levine could got dealt and that didn't happen so they stood pat and then he lost to the bone squad of the Brooklyn Nets last night the which was bone, bone squad, squad. Yeah. boy that could be taken a lot of ways there <laughs> well it can only take one way and that was that they had no Durant no no uh, Irving no nothing and I they got like smoked. a few of the pieces Brooklyn has boy I tell you what the whole Chicago lineup. I'm like, is are they're they're win now, right? DeRozan and Vucevic. I mean, that's and, how they're built as they're the nine really seed not. right now. I know they're three games under 500. Yeah, it's like w- they need to do something. I felt like at the deadline. Well, and, and the worst thing is the Vucevic trade has completely killed them because now this year, what would be a lottery pick, unless it's a top four, they don't have a first round pick. So a team that could oof. desperately need a pick does not have one. The Nets. The Nets are the team when they went like superpower, you know, James Harden and Durant and, and Kyrie. I, Kevin Durant's a great player. James Harden and I know nothing about him as a guy. Kyrie Irving's just weird. Like I couldn't root for those guys, right? But I always kind of liked the New Jersey Nets because they were the afterthought of that market. And then when they moved to Brooklyn, I thought every they did everything perfectly in terms of off the court. Like, I loved their logo, the color scheme they went with. They went kind of old school. The arena looks like old Hinkle when you watch games there. So, like, the Brooklyn Nets now, I can kind of get on board with it. And what did you call them, Mark? Well, they were the Bone Squad, yes. The Bone Squad. Yeah. Like, I can kind of get on board with the Bone Squad Brooklyn Nets now. They've got, like, seven dudes at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 that I would all take on the Pacers in a heartbeat. I like Nick Claxton a lot. Yeah, he's a really good rim protector, but, I mean, Mikhail Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith and Cam Johnson and Royce O'Neal and, I mean, hell, Cam Thomas is filling it up right now. They've got a couple of Indiana-related guys, Edmund Sumner. And then Drew Smith. I forgot he was in the NBA. Drew Smith. I watched him play at Southport for Evansville Wrights. God, that was had to be a decade ago. Cam Thomas, who's Score. only 21 years old, he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit, but he had like, what, his first three games were 40 or more? I mean, he is just a gunner. And right now, I guess, on the bone squad, you need that. I mean, he came back down to earth. He was 3 of 16 last night, but he still scored 20, got to the foul line. A ton. All right, uh, our final giveaway, right, Mark, for the Ball State tickets? Yep, yep. Tomorrow at 2 o'clock against Bowling Green. Freebie Friday, so a pair of tickets and also the Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way for the pop quiz here in a few. So give us a ring, 317-239-1070. We'll round out the show with some Super Bowl picks on that end. For now, morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Last night in West Lafayette, it was one for Braden Smith, the freshman from Westfield, 24 points. That is a career high, as Purdue fans have done quite often this season. They want to see the little guy shoot more. So does his head coach. 
I wish he would shoot more. You know, since day one, I've told him that. Like, shoot the basketball. They want to go under ball screens, stop and shoot it. You know, he's a 40 to 45% three-point shooter. It makes sense to do it. Um, anytime you have the ability to play through ball screens and get angles and pass and get to the rim and shoot, you know, take your pull-ups too. Like, take your open shots. Take your, like, be aggressive with it. And he likes getting everybody involved. Just, you know, he has really good instincts, but at times he doesn't play off his instincts and he's, he's just thinking getting everybody involved when he's not going to get anybody involved if they're just going to play and go under him. Uh, speaking of Iowa, by the way, and Zach Eady last night, as we talked about Purdue getting a win on a night when Zach Eady is not the dominant force, probably uh, the best news for Purdue in addition to an 87-73 win. But speaking of Iowa, their women were in Bloomington taking on the Hoosiers excuse me, second-ranked Indiana, 87-78 last night. Grace Berger, 26-9 for Indiana. You okay over there? I got yeah, this cough, she, man. It's persistent. She and Mackenzie Holmes combined for 50. <laughs> Caitlin Clark scored a ton for Iowa. Not the most efficient night at all. Iowa's won 11 straight. We're hoping to have Terry Morin on here sometime in February. All right, tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it is the Pacers against the Suns. Mark said bone squad for the Nets. It might be the bone squad... For the you got a patent that Mark? No, I feel like that's going to be like on an alternate jersey or something. Mm-hmm. The Brooklyn Nets rocking the Bone Squad jerseys tonight because right. they take on the Phoenix Suns. Might be late night on HBO as well. Uh, Phoenix plus one and a half, <laughs> so a slight underdog as they come off the back to back again. Kevin Durant still out, will be out. It sounds like through the All Star break, uh, they had a couple of guys that did not play last night in Atlanta due to illness. Devin Booker being one of them. Jake, this is a matchup that I would love to see. I feel like we've missed out on a lot of the Joel Embiid, Miles Turner. I'd love to see DeAndre Ayton, Miles Turner tonight. Boy, you're not kidding there because that, of course, is the guy. I think we almost forget about the fact that Indiana made the overture for DeAndre Ayton, right? Yeah, and he signed it. Right. He signed the offer sheet. He was on his way here and still don't know how much of that was just like the politics of trying to get Phoenix to up. Uh, We shall see. But again, uh, Phoenix tonight. Last night they were losers, 116-107 to the Hawks. It was Orlando over Denver, 115-102 last night. Brooklyn, 116. The Bone Squad over the Bulls, 105. And Milwaukee, 115-106 over the Lakers. College basketball slate tonight, by the way, at Hinkle. 7 o'clock, Xavier and Butler. Youngstown State, they're the Penguins. Me, me. Uh, they take on Purdue. That's a roadrunner. I think you you just did the roadrunner sound. I don't know what the hell that was. Dave first used to do an awesome penguin sound when we worked at Channel Six together. Anytime Youngstown State was mentioned, but I believe well, that went, definitely wasn't it. Well, the Roadrunner is Mimi. That's the Roadrunner. Right. A penguin's more like a Mimi, like a like a less. That's cool. What? I don't know what that was. That was horrific. What, what, what do we got there, Mark? A peng- <laughs> I don't know what that was. There, there's your penguin. Yeah, that's cool. Did you see that National Geographic just came out with audio of penguins from underwater? They talk while they're underwater. They're flightless birds. You know that, right? Butler's getting seven and a half tonight against Xavier at home. Do you know how you know that penguins are flightless? They tell you? I don't know. No, because they're all, they're all still in Antarctica. Wouldn't you go somewhere else if you could? Well, I've seen some of the zoo. Well, they do. you know, I actually got to go in. One of the highlights of my life, uh, thank you to the American Dairy Association of Indiana for facilitating this. When I was at the zoo, I was doing an event there in the month of May, and they let me, they, they pulled the strings for me to go in and like be able to play with and feed and pet the penguins it was unbelievable it was a black tie affair actually you got that's, that's a penguin that's underwater a, that's a peacock right you got now. us a butler prediction for tonight you gave us one earlier in the week plus seven and a half against xavier uh 
Yeah, Xavier covers that. Lastly, from last night, NFL honors. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP on the Hall of Fame front. No Reggie Wayne or Dwight Freeney. The 2023 class is as followed. First balloters, Joe Thomas and Darrell Rivas. And then joining them, Demarcus Ware, Rondé Barber, and Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas surprised me, man. Jake, we got a text earlier from someone that has seen Zach Thomas play a lot of football, and that person was pretty surprised. And that knows football. I was surprised by that. No Devin Hester. That surprised me. Yeah, Hester. And who was the other one I said yesterday? Oh, Jared Allen. There are the problem for now, Reggie Wayne in particular, is that there were several players that seemed to be sure to get in before Reggie Wayne that are still not in. Well, and several wideouts. And they tend to shy away from multiple positions, particularly at wideout. All right, it is time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Again, a freebie Friday. So the final pair of Ball State tickets that we are giving away to their game tomorrow at Worthen Arena. It is a 2 o'clock tip and a free Jiffy Lube oil change. That's next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You studied. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Jake, have you taken a gander at it? I'm actually doing so right now for the first time. It's a freebie Friday, though, right? James Wiseman traded, yeah, freebie Friday, from the Warriors to the Pistons. If for some how, reason, whatever, James Wiseman works out, Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, and James Wiseman? I mean, when you remember the ballyhoo about him when he came into the league, right? You know, another guy that was rumored to be traded and was not, Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, he was, boy, his name was out there a lot. What a nice career here for Boyan. Bogey. Gosh, really? he was the Pacers' best player, Jake, in that Cavs series that one year. He was guarding LeBron. A quiet guy, right? Yeah, I think so. You remember that game? And he's not related to Bogdan Bogdanovich, correct? Correct. I'm assuming that Bogdanovich must be a fairly common name. Also, is a pretty good player. Croatia or they're Croatian, right? I always get Croatia and Serbia confused, yeah. but Wait, we're which say is really American naive of me. But you remember that game? I just remember being at an IndyCar event, and the you just mentioned it. The Pacers and, and Heat were playing, and seemingly. Boyan Bogdanovich, I think it was a game five here. He scored like 36 straight oh points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not literally, but. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was a night of the NBA draft. So I remember I was at the Colts complex and watching. NFL draft, you mean? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. NFL draft. And, uh, yes, he had an unbelievable third quarter. Uh, Mark, do we have callers lined up for the pop quiz? That we do. They want Ball State tickets and an oil change. Ooh, well, they will get it no matter what happens here. But we'll see if anybody can go five for five. Jake, a number one through eight. I'll go with number, uh, what number is Jalen Hurts? Is he one or two? He's one. Mero Uno. You going fast fingers on Super Bowl Friday? What number is Patrick Mahomes? 15. 15. That means if you add the two starting quarterbacks together, you get 16. You divide it by two since there's two of them, you get eight. Oh, my gosh. 
I'll go with number eight. Did you say one through eight? Yeah, it's Eight. a Friday. That was, Just that was fascinating. Uh, well, what, Austin, what was, fa- the, what was not fascinating about that? Austin, well, a lot of things. <laughs> the math involved, the way you got to it. Austin, good morning. Guys, how's it going, guys? Austin, what will be on your Super Bowl eating tray on Sunday? Um, I actually picked up a couple of Blue Mountain Oddings frozen pizzas the other day, so we're all set. Look at that is you. a good call right there, man. You know, that Austin, is a real good call. I've had this debate for years. I've kind of put wings and pizza to the side on Super Bowl Sunday. That is a big snack day for me, so I just eat all the snacks. You know, uh, what's pigs on in your a blanket, spread, Kevin? Say it again. What's, what's on your spread? Well, uh, pigs in a blanket are a must. Um, I could use some meatballs. Uh, how about a cheese platter? Uh, taco dip is an absolute must. A buff chick dip is an absolute must. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, call your cardiologist what? on Monday. How about what's some veggies with, with ranch just to make sure you got a couple veggies in your system? That's that's for during the week. Like weekends, like, yeah, just get some buffalo chicken dip, some you know, whatever you want. Hot fudge Sundays, whatever. Austin. I'm glad Austin and I are on the same page. <laughs> Austin, uh, have you been to the Lou Malnati's location in Broderbull where you can go in and sit down? That's where I got it. I actually was listening to your podcast uh, with Schultz, and I'm just like, that sounds really good. I need to I need to do that. So That's a good, it's a good spot, man. They got draft beers and everything, right. and I appreciate you doing that. Just um, north of the canal, yeah. is that right? Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. um, Ferguson. Uh, Austin, If you uh, have you been to Austin, Texas? I have not. I, I've heard it's really nice. Have you been I to Austin, been Indiana? I think I've driven by there. I do a lot of driving for work, so... Okay. Um, but no, I, I don't... It's not ringing any. How old a fellow are you, Austin? 32. 32-year-old Austin, okay. And you're a graduate of what high school? Avon. So I played golf with Patrick Rogers for a couple years over there. Look at that. Nice. Big time, Austin. You guys, Avon was our our biggest rival when I was playing golf. What what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 2009. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Harris. You were 08, right? Yeah. yeah, and then the, the Wiggins, the, and yeah. Brian Witt. The one kid that played a butler was so good. Andrew? Yeah, that was, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, he was nice one of kid my best too. friends growing up. Yeah, he, he's a good dude. Yeah. So. Austin, you sound like a friendly fellow. Would you like to come to the PBR party? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Let's just go. let me know when. We, we can just talk <laughs> golf in the corner right. for about an hour. Wheels Austin. are in motion, Austin. Let's talk about Wheels regionals and Hickory Stick and the state finals, the whole shebang. Okay, Austin, would you like for... Uh, me, that would be Jake, your Lou Malnati's brethren, to lead you off here, or would you like your golf swinging buddy, Kevin, to lead you off with question number one? Was that golf pause swinging buddy or golf swinging? <laughs> okay. Okay, Mark. <laughs> well, uh, since Kevin and I are mutual Notre Dame basketball fans, I'll, I'll go with Kevin. Oh, my gosh, Austin. I, are you I'm named for have, Austin Carr? I'm going to have to ask Mark to get your number after uh, this. Uh, I, I honestly wouldn't doubt it. My dad talks about, uh, he grew up in South Bend, and he talks about watching it and play so i honestly wouldn't wouldn't surprise you got a sister named kelly (laughs) no Uh, ruth riley is his sister's that's right right. yeah uh austin before we get into the pop quiz i obviously have to ask you who would you like to see notre dame hire as their men's basketball coach uh michael lewis wouldn't be bad dane fife would be a good one um what might as well throw out all the feelers and just give sure. a blank check to uh, Bill Self or Jay Wright? You know, How about Chris Holtman if he keeps on losing? 
I'd be all over Chris uh, Holtman if Ohio State wants to be done with him. I think I'd be fooled yeah, by Ohio State. Uh, yeah, well, I was watching the, the game against Georgia Tech the other night. I just I, – a typical Notre Dame basketball this year, losing on a tip and uh, – an awful Georgia Tech team. Oh, just awful. Notre Dame basketball talk and golf talk. That's how we'll move up these mid-market and, and, rankings here. And t- Tiger, Tiger Woods major wins. Come on Sure, now. sure. We've used right. up all our allotted time on Notre Dame and golf talk now. Yeah. All right, Austin. Let's see how you do. Name the former Colt who will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. Dwight Freeney, Joe Klecko, Reggie Wayne, or Chuck Howley? Joe Klecko. All right, question number two for you, Austin. 27 of the 30 NBA teams made a trade this week ahead of yesterday's trade deadline. Of these four teams, which one made a trade? One of these four actually made a trade. The Wizards, the Celtics, the Cavaliers, or the Bulls? Uh, the Celtics. Hey, Austin. James Wiseman was traded by the Warriors to the Pistons in a four-team deal. Wiseman played just 60 games for Golden State, the fourth fewest games a player taken in the top two of the NBA draft for the team he made his debut with. Who among the following played more games for his original team than Wiseman? Is it A, Purvis, Purvis Ellison, B, Anthony Bennett, C, Hashim Thabit, or D, Markel Fultz? Uh, this dude killed our Irish. Oh, Hashim's the beat. What a hint. It's not often you go Notre Dame basketball hints. You got to get them in when you can. Yeah. All right, Austin. Question number four. On this day in 1985, the NBA All-Star Game was held at the Hoosier Dome with the West beating the East 140 to 129. Who was the most valuable player who a year later would be suspended in the NBA Finals for a sucker punch of Jerry Seasting. Was it Ralph Sampson, George Gervin, Magic Johnson, or Isaiah Thomas? Uh, you know, uh, Virginia's for lovers. Did you know that, Mark? Oh, Ralph Sampson. Okay. A big clue on number four. Austin, number five. Austin, your favorite Notre Dame basketball player of all time is who? Uh, probably Colin Falls or uh, Chris Thomas was a good one too. But sure. uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of them to name. God, a ton of them. It's a storied program. Uh, Bonzi Colson, Luke Heron, Goody Tide. Blue blood. Uh, happy seventy third sure. birthday to former IU swimmer Mark Spitz. Austin, how many gold medals did Mark Spitz win in his Olympic career? Six, seven, eight, or nine. Uh, six. I'll give you a second guess. Oh, oh man! And tell I you mean, it's the favorite. I like Austin a lot, but come it's an on Olympic now. revolution for the Beatles. Wait, say that again. It was an Olympic revolution for the Beatles. <laughs> Seven, eight, or nine? Nine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that hint was. Scotty gets it. Well, yeah, you guys because are like Scotty's the other intelligent human in the room. Thirty-two-year-old Austin, there. All right, Austin. Incredible. No shock here. Austin's performance. Name the former Colt who'll be inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. That is Good indeed go! Joe Klecko. 
27 of the 30 NBA teams made a trade this week ahead of yesterday's deadline. Of these four teams, which one made a trade this week? It was the Celtics. That is correct. See, they yeah, traded great, for though. Mike Muscula or Muscala from Bucknell State. product, right, Scotty? Remember him in the tournament. Uh, okay, who has played more games than James Wiseman, number two or number one overall pick? Indeed, Hashim Thurman. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> number four. Man, this guy, this guy <laughs> had, you, you want to talk about a career that was just thought to be, and it was on the trajectory of an all-time great, and then it just kind of fell off a, qui- a, a cliff quickly. Ralph Sampson, 24 that points, 10 boards, correct. 85 NBA All-Star game. And number five, the gold medals for Mark Spitz after a little bit of coaxing. Two in Mexico City in 1968. Seven in Munich in 1972. That would be nine. That means for the first time in a long time, we've got a winner. Well, it was a freebie Friday, right? The guy's a winner. Thank you. Number nine. Number nine. They're gonna, there's a famous song should, off the White Album, Revolution Number Nine by the Beatles. Carry Austin out like they're going to carry Mike Bray out of the Joyce Center on March 5th. When Are they going to carry him out or just, just kind of catapult him? Well, I think he should be carried out at this point. Uh, Austin, thanks, man. Have a great Super Bowl. We will give our Super Bowl picks next to close out the show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ashley Dykton on her feet right now, Mark. Oh, man, she loves this song. Now, Maddie Bowen will be loud and very, very proud when Rihanna takes the stage. Coming up, what, probably 8-ish on Sunday night? That is your halftime act. It is a 6.30 kick from Arizona. Babyface on the America the Beautiful or the National Anthem? America the Beautiful. America the Beautiful. Kenneth Edmonds. It's a little bit of Indiana flavor. Second we'll most get. famous graduate of North Central High School. There. Um, Storylines. Keys, really curious to see the Eagles' defensive line. I think it's been such a good unit for them. So deep. Can they get after Mahomes? I you know, mentioned it earlier, Jalen Hurts' shoulder. I don't f- feel like he was asked to do a whole lot throwing it so far in the playoffs. That, to me, is a big one. You know, I I keep thinking Philadelphia's been the best team all year, and it's hard to go against the team that has played the best all year. But I think Mahomes is a, just a wizard. And, you know, Kansas City fan Steve that calls in the program and his little dog Milton that wears his Chiefs uh, collar, I, I'm going to go against what I've said all along. I, I think Kansas City does win it. I don't. I, I think it'll be close. I think it's. I think it's going to be a great game because both teams. And by the way, um, they will call heads. It will be heads. Winning team will defer. Will you uh, throw a score on it for us? You said close. Twenty-seven, twenty-four, Kansas City. Mark, Philly is slight favorite. Yeah, I've been uh, debating this the whole time, like it's, leading up to Super Bowl. Like, I don't know who I. You can yeah. talk yourself into either team. Yeah, either I team. I, I'm gonna go. I'm throwing it at dart. I'm gonna take the Eagles just based on their defense. Give me the Eagles twenty-eight, Chiefs twenty-seven. 
Boy, I would sign up for either of those just from an entertainment standpoint based off the score. I Again, part of me is like, Kevin, you're an idiot for saying this. You're an idiot for betting against um, Patrick Mahomes. I think Philly is the more balanced team. That's fair. I think, to Jake's point, they've been the best team all year long. I mean, Kansas City, if a bounce or two goes the other way, they're not here. I mean, Jacksonville could have beat them. Yep. Certainly Cincinnati could. Guys, I'm going Eagles 30, Kansas City 20. I got Philly winning by 10. Hmm. That'd be cool. You know what? Remember last year, the day after the Super Bowl, when I came in, Mark, remember, and I go, I'm going to take like three teams on on DraftKings and put it in. Oh, yeah, you got Philly, don't you? So I'm cashing in if Philly wins. All right, and Monday we'll talk about a new Colts head coach. Yeah, right. We can only hope. Uh, expecting an announcement next week. That will obviously be a big theme. Everybody have a great, great weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll talk to you 